do believe we are live. Welcome everybody to another wonderful episode of the Break the Rules stream. Slava Ukraine! Slava Ukraine! No, listen, Slava let, let me yes. start off beginning. Yes. Exactly. Listen, I have important. Hopefully, he's all right. But the way things are going, I hope he's good, all right too. My good friend, Coach Red Pill. If he is, well, I hope. I pray for his family. I think his family is outside of Ukraine now. Mm. Uh, I hope he's all right. I hope the uh, evil Nazi Azov uh, Global Homo uh, Battalion hasn't gotten him. Slava Z. Uh, Slava uh, Nouveau Russia. Geo, again, like with the things that have been going on. Uh, <laughs> can, can, it, can I just remind is, the audience yeah. here that this is the only guy in the world that's a potent apologetic and isn't paid for it. You know, Geo, <laughs> Geo, oh, is, is such a fucking cheap slut. You don't know that. Without getting paid for it. I know it. Be in the mail. <laughs> oh, you'd much, you'd be much better dressed if you were paid for anything you did. You know? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, you insult. <laughs> Uh, at least, well, at least when I do interviews in Russia today, I'm paid for doing interviews in Russia today. You're not, Gio. Oh, see, I need, I need help to, I need to grift more effectively. Yeah, you got to grift harder. With, you got to grift harder. If Nick, if the little, if little nipples can get an interview in Russia today, <laughs> I certainly can get an interview mm. in Russia today. And look, I, Gio, I wish Gio the Gio Pavarotti has mistaken his own <laughs> asshole for the Donbass region. That's his problem. <laughs> Well, he wants listen, to be invaded by Putin so Marapol, much. is almost totally denazified. <laughs> We're going for it, baby. There you I, go. And I wish the very best to Gonzalo's family and as much no, as I disagree don't. with him. No, you don't. No, that's I do. a lie, Lab. Yes, you, I do. You, you're the first one that's going to line up to watch the beheading video on, on Telegram. I just Gio, know I don't, I don't discriminate against people's views because I'm, 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 I'm not a fascist like uh, someone I know. Anyway, oh, let's get started oh, talking about oh, Zoroastrianism But in all, versus... in all seriousness, I do wish that. I hope he's all right. Yeah, hope, Gio, hope he's we all right moved yeah. on. We moved on to the more right. topic. Okay? All right. The adult... Okay, the adult By topic. By the way, this week I talked no, about Gio, oh, about Okay, good, Ukraine. good, Gio. No there more interruptions. Go. No more interruptions. Right. Okay. We are going to be talking about Zoroastrianism versus Gnosticism, which is why we have the informant of Gnosticism, Gnostic informant, joining us along with Gio, Alexander Bard. And it is going to be quite a show today because I know, Alexander, especially, you are very well acquainted with the two. And I want to talk about how the two relate not only uh, to pretty much ancient history to ancient Iran, but how they relate to what's going on today. And let's see if we can uh, connect the two together. But to get us started, I know that you also are a Zoroastrian. That is the religion that you adopted. What made you become a Zoroastrian, specifically a Zervanist, if I am saying that correctly? And everybody subscribe. A, a, a Zervanite, yeah. Zervanite. Uh, I believe in it. <laughs> I finally found a religion that was almost 4,000 years old that was perfectly credible. So it made sense. And uh, I did it because I studied Eastern philosophy properly. I went to the East. I learned Sanskrit, Mandarin, Avesta. I read the original text. I spent years doing that, the real studies. And then I discovered that we basically completely misunderstood the East and turned into some kind of a Californian commercial artifact, which it isn't. And um, then I discovered that what we call Zoroastrianism is basically just a Persian tradition of the Silk Route. What we call Taoism is the Chinese version of the Silk Route. And what we call Buddhism is essentially the Indian version of the Silk Route. And really, they're just a long, 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 long series of schools of spirituality that follow the trade routes. And I, in my work, I call this a Silk Route triad. 
So, um, of course, I consider Taoism and Buddhism, and I, I worked with those faiths or those systems for years. But I was offered in 1992 to convert Zoroastrianism, just when it was opening up. A lot of Iranians had left Iran and moved to Europe and America. They were also, of course, the very wealthy and successful Indian Parsis, you know, the only religious community in the world that has higher incomes and higher educations than Jews are the Zoroastrians. So I basically converted to an elite, and why not? So uh, I did that in 1992, and it did, then turned out, of course, that when we're looking at the world today and we're confronted with globalization as a result of digitalization, Mark Stallman told me in the late 1990s that my philosophical endeavor would really be concerned with the East meets West meets digital. And, and this, of course, brought me into the world of philosophy and, of course, the death of Plato, not the death of God in the West and, and what that would mean. So, so I converted Zoroastrianism, and it, it's not a religion per se. I should say that the word philosophy in Greek is philosophia, and it was borrowed by the Greeks from the Persians. A thousand years before the term philosophia was ever used by a Persian called Pythagoras, by the way, he was Persian. Uh, the thousand years before the term was even used in Greece, the term Mastayasta existed in ancient Iranian or, or Avesta. And Mastayasta means the love of wisdom, wisdom, meaning that Zoroastrianism claims to be philosophy per se. So uh, I would say that as a Zoroastrian, I would claim that there is only religion, period. There's a possibility of reformed religion through philosophical discourse, but we can only at best reform religion and whatever else we do is just returning to religion anyway. So I would say that religion is just a human state. That religare means how we organize a society and how we organize the thinking about a society. And of course, political ideology is just like, you know, pseudo-religions following from that. But I should, I should emphasize that the word philosophy actually is what it means to be a Zoroastrian. You know, before we get to Neil, can I ask you a follow-up question? You mentioned um, what your sort of pioneering project is, but... From Zoroastrianism, I mean, I know there's a lot of theories. Uh, there's one special guy in particular that thinks that Iran and, and Zoroastrianism started everything. And I know you have many disagreements with uh, Georgiani, but what would um, the sort of Western tradition look like absent of that later Platonic influence? I know Heidegger talks about this, but in your opinion, what does it mean to have West, the West, blah, sorry, I was to the, the dentist, my mouth is slurry. Uh, the West exo, that sort of, Platonism and Platonic metaphysics, what would that look like? And okay, is okay. Let, let me lay it out. So this is how it works historically. We were all pagan, right? Paganism mm -hmm. is the nomadic religion per se. Nomadology, as we call it philosophically, Gildilo's term. That means that in the nomadological worldview, everything is the return of the same. We can call that process, if you like. So process is essentially the eternal return of the same. The seasons come and go. Everything returns to the same. Traditionalism, which you guys love, of course, is, is a form of that too. It's, it's a pagan way of thinking. It's just that everything returns to the same. Things can rise and fall, but they always return to the same. That is the normal state of thing. It's also the way women look at the world still today. Oh, no. Nomadological, you know? Women so, are the real trads. There you go. No, no, wait, wait. So the question is, is there ever then any other thought? Well, there is. Um, the other thought that pops up is, of course, that things do die. And, and you either have to claim that they return somewhere else and pop up somewhere else, and that's called reincarnation, which is basically what you tell your kids, oh, dad just died, but he, he's going to return as a butterfly or something tomorrow, uh, which, of course, the storytelling version of that. So reincarnation is tied to nomadology because you tell people that so they can, you know, handle death because death is the toughest thing that exists. But 
But if death exists, it means that also things can implode. Negation exists, as Hegel would say. And because negation exists, there can be negation of the negation, so novelty can occur. Okay, the first guy to think about this properly was Zoroaster. Therefore, he's unique in the history of ideas and philosophy starts and really ends with him. Mm. 3,700 years ago in Persia, Zoroaster says the process is actually how things operate. But because we just now settled our women to written language and we started storing information outside our own minds, the guy realized the consequence of that. We are creating a different type of society. And only because it's different, it's actually worth pursuing. Because we've done the eternal return of the same until now. So he calls that the event. So mm -hmm. for the Zoroastrians, there's process and event, and you must keep both. Because everything in the world is influencing everything else, and everything is connected with everything else. So it's a modest religion, it's a modest worldview, but it has both process and event. This is the beginning of the West. Uh, if you look at Asian history, and Asia should dictate history because Asia is way older than Europe, say. Asia says that anything west of the Gobi Desert, we can call the West. So Persia Start, it's the beginning of the West. I agree. The Hebrews and the Persians then later connect. The, P, the Persian Hebrew axis is the beginning of the West, not, not the Greek Hebrew. The and Persian it, Hebrew axis, beginning of the West. So, Protestant event stays, and Judaism has sort of tried to keep it that way. You have sort of sacred religions for the priests inside the religion because you can handle different truths at the same time. So, you have something similar to Tantra, Sudan, and the East, and that exists in Hebrew and Persian thinking. The problem is that once you've introduced the event, it becomes very, very tempting to think that the event is the only truth and maybe we can get rid of the process, and that's Plato. So Plato mm -hmm. is an amazing thinker that dares to think what it would be like if the event existed independently of the process. The consequence of that are called Islam and Christianity. Who Islam the and Christianity are two religions that try to do event without, without process. And here, to round it off, this is the Zoroastrian accusation against what we call Gnosticism, is that the dualism, it's really dualism, not Gnosticism, the, enemy, but yes. the problem with dualism is that the problem with dualism is that it tries to separate event and process to only event. The result of that is Egyptian culture, and right. the Egyptians spent everything they had to build pyramids, whereas the Persians parallel Egyptians threw the corpses to animals as animal feed and never built a single pyramid. The striking difference here between Persia and Egypt, which is the beginning of the West, is how they deal with death. So I would always say that of the Greeks, I call Heraclitus, the Persian Greek, he was Persian, by the way, and I, was, I, was I say Plato, Plato, Plato is the Egyptian Greek. Okay. I, I was just going to say, just to add to what you're saying, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, let's not forget that all of these great th pre-Socratic thinkers, and even into Socrates, Plato, and down to Aristotle, that's all under Persian rule. Persia was the king of the world, whether it's Cyrus, Xerxes, Darius, this is all under the, under the globalist rule of Persia. Which I, I would argue it was probably the height of civilization of the ancient world. Oh, and it ends with Aristotle. What did Aristotle do? He taught Alexander the Great. He right. just said, as soon as the Persians are in conflict with one another and have a court struggle of some kind, attack them and become a Persian. Alexander the Great swept through the Persian Empire by becoming a Persian himself. That's exactly how he went a war. Aristotle was a fucking genius, but he was a genius by understanding by being a Persian as a Greek that I can improve on what the Persians have done. So That's you're, you're saying that... Well, I would say that there there are pockets within, for example, orthodoxy that certainly have becoming in mind. But you're saying that I literally centuries before uh, Bergson and Deleuze and to an extent uh, Derrida, um, when philosophy made this linguistic turn, now becoming becomes things centuries before Nietzsche even. You're saying that within the heart of Persian civilization, there was this aspect of becoming 
And it seems that Western philosophy... Everything is, was becoming... Being, being, being starts with Plato. There is no being right, prior to Plato. Right. The being is what the Greeks invented. But to any other culture, if I sit with Persian, Indian, and Chinese intellectuals, right? They're all discussing varieties. They're all discussing different becomings, like different movements. So uh, I say that in European tradition, it starts with Hegel and Nietzsche. Hegel thinks negation, a form of movement, right? Dialectics. Nietzsche thinks oscillation. And what I'm working with Catalast on now in our book, The Negatology, we're writing at the moment, is to see how negation oscillation can be seen as a first dialectics. What we're doing then is we're eliminating Plato entirely out of philosophy mm -hmm. and look at mm -hmm. different types of movements and how they relate to each other. Right. Well, there was also oasis within Nietzsche as well. There's propagation and yeah. Mm. What uh, confuses me about this, though, is as far as I heard about Zoroastrianism, they do believe in a uh, end of the world scenario, in a uh, millennium type event that's going to happen. How much is this uh, accurate? No, 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 no. They don't have no, an eschatology no. per se. Okay, okay, okay. It, there is no other entry on Wikipedia with more lies in it than an entry on Zoroastrianism. Basically, the older religion is, the more lies you have about it, especially when the American college students have been involved in writing the article. Okay? <laughs> Understand that. Get that into your head. Gnostic boy gets yeah. it. He's smart. Right? That's exactly what he just reminded everybody here that Persia was essentially the empire and Greece was a tiny colony at the northwest that we later in the 1820s through Lord Byron in the 1820s, invented that Greece was the beginning of civilization to claim that there was a European civilization. Well, the Greeks puked at anything north or west of Greece. Right. To the Greeks, they were like the outpost. They were Alaska to the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Persians, the Indians, the cultures of the world, right? Yeah. So, well, so, as, as someone with a lot of Greek in me, this is Greek erasure. I cannot stand for this. My, mm -hmm. my side of Calabria comes from the Greek side, so I probably have a... The noble uh, step people blood yes. in me, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, it's the same when in the medieval period, how a lot of uh, Aristotelian thought was transmitted through uh, certain Persian thinkers as well. Mm. But um, as far yeah. as a becoming as as is the, the yeah. origin, we must agree on one thing. Philosophy starts with becoming. We, we've done it yeah. the opposite way. True. We, we think we should start Plato. There's a reaction against Plato. Yeah, maybe Nietzsche thought that, Heidegger thought that, but actually becoming. If you study Indian philosophy, <laughs> I work with in India all the time, right? I work mm. with film directors. They all say, India is just the eternal return of the same. It's a circular culture, right? And they have strong matriarchs and things. And that's India. The difference between India and Persia is where I get interested. The difference yeah. is that mm. the Persians started believing in an event. That's the beginning of the West. And it enables Plato, Aristotle, and the thinking of the event. So therefore, we call Western culture eventology, whereas we call Eastern culture nomadology. Let me ask right. you. Let me ask you something, uh, Alexander. Um, when you look at the the Zen language, the the alphabet, it looks like it's like a transitional fossil, basically in between in between the Sanskrit and the Farsi. It looks like it goes in between. It looks like there's a transition happening between those three. Um, do you think there's some sort of? I mean, and then you look at the devas, and you look at the areas. You see, there's like a flip happening. All of a sudden, the devas are the the, the bad guys and or titans you if you call them in Greece where, where what do you what is what, what's happening there is there some oh, sort of oh, we do good and evil because we foster with Christianity there's no good and evil at all there's no word for it in Persian I got language, that right? I got that impression so, so Asha Druj you have the two principles that the only thing you need is Orastrism no fucking ten commandments it's a strictly ethical religion no morality Asha Druj this is how it worked so you were working along the trade routes you would come to a new oasis. 
you would check in in the hospice. You would stay there and eat food. You would go off to the bathhouse and get yourself cleaned and starting having business meetings in the bathhouse. You would go to the gym to sort of kind of work out, have business meetings in the gym. You would go eventually to the whorehouse where you really did the deals. That's what whorehouses are for. They're called nightclubs these days, right? You went to the whorehouse and did the deals with the brothel madam around or the nightclub owner, right? After you done that, you were accepted by the community as a stranger. You were accepted by the community. You went to the bazaar and you did your deals. Before you left, after you've done the deals in the bazaar, you had to go to Kostak. This is the origin of monasterial culture. Hmm. Every damn oasis, my friend of mine, Pablo, proved this years ago. Every damn oasis had the Kostak at the end. And the Kostak was basically the contemplation of getting all the crappy deals out of your head and move <laughs> your head into constructive thinking. That's what Asha means. Asha means constructive mentality. Druj means destructive mentality towards yourself, towards your community you come from, towards your partners you did the deals with, towards futures you have ahead of you, towards your children and your family. It's all about, it's that Asha Odruj mindset. Basically, you clean your head. This is what meditation in the East was supposed to do. You clean your head from the destructive thinking sure. to have a constructive mindset. Anybody can do it or should do it. Any woman or man should do it. It's called Asha versus Druj. And you do it, it's called the Tushamaita. So that's the origin of that. But the yogas, practices to come from that in India, China, and Persia follow from that. What then happened was that this trade started growing as the Silk Route exploded. You know, suddenly six of the world's seven largest cities were along the Silk Route. Right. Big business for the Kostaks. So what the Kostaks did was that they basically said, let's build the spa at the top of a mountain. And that's the monastery, right? And then you would educate monks to then go down to the Kostak and fix the heads of people. This is Eastern spirituality. Right. So for me, that's how I understood. And then we started organizing religion with larger narratives and it I became feudal and all that. But the beginning of religion really is basically just fixing the heads of guys along the trade routes. I agree. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as far as, well, hold on. As far as Gnosticism yeah. goes, since I want to speak about Gnosticism as well here, we got the Gnostic informant for that. Uh, what exactly do you see as being a, let's say, a destructive element of Gnosticism or something that you find to be very uh, negative? Or would you say that to each their own, somebody could decide to become a uh, dualist Gnostic? It seems or like the ultimate... I would like to ask both of you, but let's start from Alexander and then uh, and then Gnostic. By the way, uh, ch okay. uh, check, the, check the community okay. tab, is, nothing this there is, yet. This is good. So I love the word Gnosis. My problem is Gnosticism because of dualism. Gnosis means knowledge. So right. Hegel claims absolute knowledge that Gnosis, right? So that's a good word. But, but the problem here is that along the Silk Route, you have a variety of schools. So there's the next. After 100 oasis, is probably quite a large variety. What happens is that there are different types of Protestant events in each of these schools. And they're differently successful. And after a while, maybe when you're a bit affluent, you know, some of these guys go off and they become pillar saints and things like that and declare all kinds of things like you can live forever if you do a good trade tomorrow, right? So the problem is that while keeping you in a modest mindset that everything in the world is interconnected with everything else, including your business deals and all the trade route, Suddenly, you can have dualist ideas like, but there's another world. So if you fail at the business here, we promise you that in another world, you gained a lot of points. Good and evil is invented. And that happens, of course, along the trade routes because these are markets of ideas. So what the Sorastas reacted against said that when we have times of affluence, we risk having a lot of guys running around as false prophets declaring dualist ideas. That's what Sorastas is aggressively opposed to dualism. And that is what it shares with the Indian and Chinese philosophy. The problem is Islam and Christianity 
which both have Egyptian origins, are incredibly dualistic religions because whatever happens to your life, you have an afterlife. Mm. Right? And there's no afterlife as Zoroastrianism. When you die, if you live the full life, you've completed your Horvathat, making it possible for an Amiritat, which is transcendence, but that's not you. That's your heritage. That's what you, you learn to die with grace to leave behind Amiritat, which is wrongly often translated as immortality. No, Amiritat literally means transcendence in Avesta. So the Zoroastrians so, were going after the dualists. That's the problem in Avesta. So it's very much like a, a Buddhist understanding of reincarnation in some ways, like the candle being lit by another candle. Mm. Uh, the affect, the sort of karmic affect comes listen, listen, you yourself. Zen, yeah, exactly. Zen is more Zoroastrian than it's Buddhist. Like if, it's, if a Zen, Zen monk tells you there's nothing for you to reincarnate because there's just a void there, that's mm. Zoroastrian. I saw it. I saw the Zoroastrian temples in Yostin, Iran. And when I came to Kyoto and stayed in the Zen garden, it's just like, it's the same fucking thing. And now, of course, contemporary historians and archaeologists are discovering that the Persians and the Japanese traded with each other constantly for 2,000 years. Yeah, wow. they traded ideas. Bodhidharma wasn't the prince from India. Bodhidharma was a fucking trader from Afghanistan. <laughs> he brought Shan to China. So these traditions are they, they, they traded right. from Zen. Zen in Japan is Sion in, in Korea, is Tien in Vietnam, is Shan in China, is Diana in Persia, is Diana in India. It's just practices. Yeah. And mm. they've all traded ideas with each other. But and then how would you reconcile? Wait, wait. Uh, oh, yeah. I have got a quick, quick question here. Where would Gnostic informant, if you were to put on your Gnostic hat, which you already have, uh, where would you give room for there being another truth here with Gnosticism? Instead of saying, like in the Abrahamic uh, idea, that, well, if you're suffering in this life, then you're going to prosper in the other life. Uh, what about something a little bit more closer to reality here? Something where maybe there is some higher truth that people can discover that there are, let's say, other worlds, dimensions, whatever. Would you be able to give any sort of steel manning for that type of idea? Well, I actually think that Zora, I think that Zoroastrian is the influence of Western Gnosticism. I, I don't think it's just a Christian movement that people like to put it as, as like the sort of, uh, you know, you know, not, not um, how do you pronounce this? Um, you know, not in line with the, the orthodoxy. They, they're just like a paint a brush to say that's all Gnosticism. But, but no, I think that there's, there was Gnosticism before Christianity. And I think it has influence from Persia um, I think that you can look at a lot of the sort of ideas that come out of the, um, like, 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 um, like, for example, you, you, I got this right here. This is the Zendavesta. It's in English. It's a translation. And a lot, oftentimes you just, uh, uh, Zoroaster is talking about his holy word. Here's my cup. It is the holy word of Ahura Mazda. Uh, I invoke Mithra. And what he's doing is he's attaining Gnosis. In my from from my understanding, it's it's just another method of another language, another form of it. If that makes sense, and I think that's where Nazism in the West actually comes from. I, that's yeah. yeah. The, the great we agree here, and the great thing here is that so what's great with Zoroastrianism and Judaism is that have they have a bard absolute, not B A R D like mine, B A R R E D like band closed, like bard absolute. The bard absolute means that there's a certain truth activity going on behind the bard absolute, which is absolute truth, the search for gnosis, right? That cannot be handled by everybody. 
this is called Tantra Sutra, not the traditions. So the, the, the Sutra is that this is what we tell people uh, when a priest stands on the staircase and preaches to people, he basically tells them anything, he can tell them anything he likes as long as they love the children and hopefully don't go to war too often. So prolong the peace and keep people loving their children. That, that's all you need to do. That's what priests do, right? But behind the Bard Absolute, there is a constant search for ultimate truth. That is the Gnostic exercise, and that's definitely Persian. And the Hebrews do it. In Hebrewism, it's called the Zadakites, like, and, and in, in, in Zoroastrian, it's called the Zurvanites. And Zurvanism was never allowed to, you're never allowed to write down anything you found. You would only memorize it, keep it there, because it was not meant to be spread. You know, so it was a completely tantric closed-in exercise. It was a tantric realm, a closed room, and in that room in the temple, there the priest could actually go for ultimate truth, no matter what it was. And the way Zurvan was described is that there's only one God, real God, and that's time itself. Mm. And time is a genderless, massive monster that mm -hmm. couldn't care less about human beings. By the way, Meaning, you, slow if you, right if you, you priests must care for human beings because yeah. nobody else. And this is this is what I was getting at. So this yeah. is this is Abraxas. Are you familiar with this, Alexander? Yeah. Abraxas has a gematria, Greek gematria, seven letters. It equals 365 days of the year, solar calendar. Um, he's got seven seven letters, so seven days of the week. If he has four, this, it gets really crazy, but this is this is all purposely written by these people. I guess you could say they had some Neo-Pythagorean stuff going on with them. But they have it's, there's four... Uh, vowels and three con consonants, which you multiply and get 12 for the months. He has a head of a, of, of a bird for the air. He's got a body of a man for ground, for, you know, earth and the legs of a serpent for like water, the, the three main um, elements, if you will. So what he is, is he's a time God. He is like, whether you believe in him or not, he, he is all, he is the existence that we're in. It doesn't matter if you believe in him. Do you, do you believe in time? Time's the thing. That's what. That's the the concept of Abraxas. Is he's inescapable. There, there is no. Yeah. I believe in him or not. It is that is that is what it is. Like we we're here. We we exist. That's Abraxas. Yeah, and time is the ultimate reality because we can think time without space. We could never think space without time. We mm -hmm. can't think outside time, and time is the ultimate reality in that sense. So, and today we digitalization and us sitting in four different countries talking to each other. Space has disappeared. What's left mm -hmm. is time, calendars, yes. more than ever. This is my philosophy. We're moving with digital, moving towards a world where time is such of an essence that everything's about the calendar. It's about throwing yourself towards the day you're supposed to die back to reality now and then devalue everything according to that. that that's where we're heading. That's why Google Maps started, Google, but Google Calendar is the real genius, right? No, well, absolutely. Uh, that time is eroding in some way in the sense that digital time is this, uh, it's, it's almost like a deterritorialization of the way that time affects our everyday life or, well, maybe if you're like a terminal internet spurg like we are, but like, you know what I mean? It seems that time is at one hand accelerating and through its acceleration, it's decaying. I mean, that's the Nick Land term. You know? Wait till you're my age, Dio, and time will be more valuable to you because you don't yeah. have many years left, right? I'm well, going to have an, I'm going to, I'm going to be 104 when I die because Hoffman was 104, right? So wow. I'll be 104 when I die. So I'm going to be around for 40 years. And well, br bringing this, uh, bringing this to Geo. With Christianity, what is the concept of time in Christianity after Jesus comes back and after everybody is uh, revived and we go into these, uh, you know, good ages, for lack of a better term? 
what is what? the does time still exist in the same way or is it beyond time well from my understanding i think that time doesn't exist in the same way after uh, you know post-resurrection but time time is still something that is eternal in the sense but at the same time oh god time 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 um Listen, because when you there's say, an inherent when eschatology you say time exists, it exists in time. When you say space exists, yeah. it exists in time. When you say anything right, exists, right. it's along the time axis, period. Right? Mm. You can't think yeah. outside time. But time has an endpoint. The difference being is that the eschatology of Christianity is inherent to it. So time is yeah. something that is, in a sense, finite. And but, that's uh, inherited by the vulgar interpretation of Zoroastrianism. So what I'm arguing in Prophet Event, the book I'm writing, well, said, <laughs> what I'm arguing is that Zoroastrianism is the origin of Islam. Uh, Islam is the vulgar perversion. Christianity is the vulgar perversion of Judaism. And that's why I think the mysticism we should look for in the West. Christianity is the completion of Judaism. That's my... <laughs> no, it's not a completion. God. Okay, the curtain fell when Christ died on the cross and suddenly everything became transparent. It became fucking Disney World. No, Christianity is such a childish exactly religion. Right, it's right. Oh, but Alexander, I, I think... Uh, see, and, and you, can, and you can't use one. the uh, small hat defense for Alexander. I don't see any small hat on Alexander's oh, head. I, mean, I, I, I think that people, they sort of uh, underplay the becoming that is present within Christianity. There's a lot of elements of becoming there. I think that to say that it's like sort of a bastardization of Plato is kind of mm. well. Let's rewind uh, here for all the people. Oh, one second. Oh, one second for all the people who don't know what becoming is. For all the people who don't know what becoming is, can we just define the word becoming? Everything changes all the time. Everything is in constant flux. That's becoming. Yeah. All right. There Nothing we go. Now, yeah, uh, Neil. Uh, no, I agree. That that's that's a good way to say it. I no, but you, you were going to say something oh, right oh, now. Oh, okay. what, I was, what I was going to ask was, um, uh, oh, so I want to know what Alexander thinks about this. I just came across this on my own. This is not from any scholars or anyone telling me this. This is on my own reading of the Zen of Vesta. And I came across a passage where uh, Zoroaster is in, in the wilderness. And he's, uh, he's meditating. And, you know, he's whatever. And uh, Angermana rushes upon him and says, just just let go. Let go of the word of Ahura Mazda, and I'll give you the greatest boon of all, the boon to rule all nations. And then, uh, of course, Zoroaster, you know, repents, or he uh, rebukes him, and then, then Angramano has to rush away, and that's it. And then he, you know, he defeats him in that sense. Do, do you see, I'm sure you've read this before, do you see a similarity between this and maybe influencing the book of Matthew? Where Jesus is oh, in the goodness. of course. Sorastas is the gold mine, right? And, and yeah. what Christianity does is that it, it borrows from Sorastanism heavily. But the you interesting thing is, it, the Sorastan perspective is that, yeah, okay, you can think of Christ as a spiritual guy. Everything is said that had value was stolen or, or borrowed from some, somewhere earlier, right? The, I haven't heard Christ say anything I haven't seen in Sorastanism that makes sense to me. For example, when he kisses the feet of the whore in front of the Pharisees, he's basically saying that. All hierarchy is illusional. Zoroastrianism. I mean, the ideas wow. are everywhere in Zoroastrianism. So you have all the ideas there. And now, finally, when we have Asians everywhere, Persian Americans, Chinese Americans, Indian Americans, over the next 50 years, we're going to have to rewrite the entire history of Asia and the Middle East. And we're going to discover that Europe, a few cannon boats, 
and a printing press and 400 years of megalomania. And really, Europe was very marginal in human history. And all the ideas we have, possibly the exception of Hegel's negation, were actually thought long before Mm. somewhere else. I don't know, but then then I I got a question. Where where can you read in any pagan tradition um, sacrifice having a terminus point within the sacrifice of Christ? Is there... Any like it's okay. That's okay. a pretty unique development. No, no, no. The idea is the sociant. Okay, the sociant is a surrounding cause. Again, if you can think event next to process, then a person can be the event. So the sociant in ancient Persian is described as the person who steps in at the end of a falling empire to save it and give it a new lease of life, a savior. Right. So the sociant was, of course, the Cyrus the Great, by the way, by far the most important person. He did the most remarkable thing in human history. He conquered Babylon and then yelled at the Babylonians for not taking themselves and their own religion seriously. This is the guy who really would have killed woke today. A real savior, right? Therefore, Cyrus the Great is the only non-Jewish messiah in the Jewish religion. But why? why did this happen? He found an Egyptian cult called the Hebrews, Quite a clever little language, by the way, way of writing the alphabet, which their cousins, the Phoenicians, took to the seas. Phoenicians were highly successful in the seas. The Hebrews basically tried farming. It was the same people. The Hebrew Phoenicians then became colonized by the Persians, who then said, we invented empire. It's a whole new status. You have an elite religion at the top. You can have any religion like at the bottom, including telling the Babylonians, you must worship Marduk because you worship your own local god, and you should worship Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, whatever you like. We don't care. Folk religion is like a lower layer. That's why yeah. Zoroastrianism invented tolerance. It invented plurality. So universal human rights were invented by Cyrus the Great when he stormed Babylon and shocked everybody because up until then, when you won a war, you boiled your enemy's children in oil. He shocked them and said, no, we're going to keep you guys. We're just going to make you create a nation. But because the Babylonians were a bit corrupt, he basically told this Egyptian sect, we send you off to your home, Palestine. We sponsor the building of the Second Temple, totally sponsored by the Persians, like it was the Olympic Games or something. The Persians threw them out of the Hebrews. This is the Persian-Hebrew connection. And the Hebrews then came back and invented a new format called the nation. Brilliant. They invented that those who speak the same language can have their own nationality and their own national religion, Judaism, within a larger empire. This is why the Romans love the Hebrews too, because they're fostered by the Persians. But, but we but we got nationalism even... from the Hebrews, we got imperialism from the Persians, and these mm. are the only two major ideas that ever came out. Joe, Joe, I know you got to speak up, but I have one question for Gnostic and then to Alexander, then I promise your question is going to be answered. So Gnostic, you were talking about the Temple of Solomon not even being recognized uh, by uh, the uh, historians of the day. Israel was seen as like a, well, basically nothing. Why, Why was that? Can you elaborate a little bit on what was going on there? I think it was just a small city state that was working within the Egyptian empire before the Babylonians conquered them. If you look at a map of the Egyptian empire before, let's say, you know, 1200 or, you know, up until like, you know, 1900 BC, it's, it stretches all the way up to the Hittite empire. It's, it, it's the east, the eastern coast of the Mediterranean was Egypt. Herodotus in 400, whatever, whatever, Herodotus 500 BC around there. He's, he's, he's traveling the world and he's going over to Egypt. He's going over to Phoenicia. He's going over to he doesn't even mention Israel once in the entire history. He's literally, he thinks he's in Egypt still when he's in Israel. So I'm not saying that Israel didn't exist. 
I'm saying Jerusalem was its own city state, and it was just a small city state. That's all it was. Judaism started in Egypt. It it's didn't an, exist. And cult. Yeah, that's that, all cult. Freud was right. And and of course, after Akhenaten's huge but probably horrible experiment, he wasted everything and destroyed Egypt. After six years of that, Akhenaten was gone. Tutankhamun was probably like he was killed out. There was certainly a sect after that because monotheism was introduced to the Egyptians. Here's the shift, though. Pharisees, right? Persian monotheism always makes a difference between aura and nostal. It always makes a difference between being and sense, being and mind, right? Your body and mind, again, united. So body and mind collaborate. In that Zoroastrianism, what's a modest religion, but it makes a difference between body and mind. So there's a priest, and the ultimate priest is Mobit and Mobit, and there's a Shah, the Shah and Shah, right? So the Shah priest must never live in the same city, different courts. The priest is the ultimate authority on truth and narrative, priesthood. And the Shah, Shah rules the territory, rules the land, which is the empire, right? So that's how the Persians constructed the empire that lasted for 2,200 years. The problem with Egypt was that Egypt only had one river. It was one of my students who discovered it, said that this just denied. So they invented a monotheism that was absolute monotheism. Like, there can only be one Aten. tyrant, like one. And that became Aten, and then became Akhenaten. After six years, fell apart. But obviously, there were people in Egypt who, who loved the idea that maybe monotheism could be experimented with rather than polytheism. They eventually became a cult, and they did, as pilgrims do, like they left the UK and went to America. They said, let's go somewhere else. They went out far in the provinces. The Levant was pretty poor. It's hard to farm in what we call Palestine. And they probably, after killing a few other guys, settled there that eventually became hebrew culture hebrew culture has definitely egyptian origins Absolutely. but it's incredibly inspired by persian thinking it's the mix of the persian and egyptians that's hebrew that's inherited by the greeks i was just going to say again, heraclitus well, that's what i mean it it seems you're, I think you can say i think you can argue that after the babylonians go and t conquer uh the samaritans and then you know go down to jerusalem and i think that they're when they come back the pharisees start that's when you get this uh, Second Temple Judaism, which is heavily, heavily, heavily influenced by Persians, which is yeah. what the Pharisees are. I think that's where the name Pharisee even comes from, Parsi. Yeah. But it seems and that you're getting rid of the old dichotomy between, you know, what is it, between Athens and uh, and Jerusalem. It seems that yeah. you're including the sort yeah, of we're 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 entirely. We're killing, we're killing it. We're killing it. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the West starts with Persian Hebrew, and the Asians would force us to rewrite our own history about ourselves like that. Okay, if we decide this, the West, West of the Gobi Desert, what happened there? What happened that never happened in the East was the reformation of paganism into religion or Protestant event. My argument today is that Islam and Christianity ultimately failed. They became popular with the afterlife stories and all that. They kept up, but the problem with Christianity and Islam, they might be reformed, God knows, but the problem is that they're event without process. And that's a terrible mistake because that's not how the world operates. But what about, but then how do you reconcile the sort of inborn pagan traditions that while well, in the Middle East later became mutated with Islam, but also within Europe, I mean, the sort of Indo-Aryan tradition there, the Scythians and so forth. Like, how do you reconcile the sort of Nordic and later Hellenistic paganism with this equation. It seems but that there they, is rival. They, we, 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 don't talk, we never talk about the bloody history of Christianity, right? We don't talk about how they murdered Mithras for a hundred years in the fifth century, right? The Mithras disappeared everywhere in the Roman Empire, from Scotland to Syria. Burned they were slaughtered. They when the no, no, but what I mean is that when the, the Christians sort of, took the throne, they started slaughtering the Mithras. Yeah, That's right. what they did. No, no, but what I mean is like the sort of Nordicist and then Hellenistic interpretations of these rival traditions propping up that are that are inborn to the Indo-Aryan European traditions. Like what about people nowadays that say that, you know, they, they're sort of a reaffirmation of 
the Hellenistic and then even the Norse worldview. Like, where do they come you from? You cannot merge Christianity or Islam with paganism. It's impossible. That's the point. That's why they were so aggressive. Well, the people say you that Christianity is no, yeah. paganism. No, it doesn't work. Oh. It doesn't work. Mm. But what about all the statues that uh, Geo's people uh, pray to? You know, like the no, statues no, but this of the was, saints? I mean, the Gnostic conformity, you've argued that basically Christianity is a permutation of... Uh, Various pagan traditions, so I, I don't know. Oh, oh, uh, everything is. Oh, I think like the rituals, like the the Eucharist, the Bacchic. I think there's. I, well, what I think I think what Christianity was trying to do was make a world religion that was going to borrow influence, elements from all over, especially Persian, uh, Judaism, uh, the Orphic mysteries, mm-hmm. the Illusionary mysteries. That's what they were doing. That's what I but think. It seems, but the, what I mean is, it seems this is a very. Uh, this is sort of like a revisionism against European pro- Europe proper as the heart of civilization. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that as a uh, Eurocentric myself. Wait, wait. We have a thousand years of complete utter darkness after Christianity yeah. took over the West. Oh, right? that's... Uh, no, no. I no, 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 The West... No, The West is three religions and they're all Jewish by origin. They call mm. Christianity... Oh, capital. I don't know Wait Shut up. Let me oh, so Christianity, capitalism, nationalism are all three Jewish religions. And it's capitalism is the capitalism and nationalism that the West showed. It was despite Christianity the West conquered the world. Despite Christianity, because of capitalism and nationalism, which are also incidentally originally Persian but Jewish religions. It's capitalism and nationalism. It's a state of the market that was the phallic fucking brilliance of Europe. And that was despite. Well, I will say the Jews have a revolutionary spirit that aided in the capitalism, basically conquering the world. That's, but I don't yeah. know if you want to go down that road, though. That's a no, I do. It was a Jewish conspiracy, and I love conspiracies. They're I called think networks. No, but I'm saying that the but people would say that the reification of the influence of Jewish revolutionary thought within these institutions lead to. Uh, the, the Austrian painter ideology. I don't know if that's... Well, Christians don't think. Let's put it that way. Jews do. So sorry about that. Mm. Well, Jew- no, the, bi- no, but- the big problem here that Geo has is uh, with uh, liberalism in general. This is why I don't think I can No, no, agree. but I'm saying... Well, hold I'm on, Geo. Like you gotta let me You gotta let me speak here. Uh, I don't think we can agree fundamentally because we have different concepts of the good. We have different concepts of what it means to live in a good society where, for me, liberalism is good... Uh, I don't think liberalism is the end of everything. I think it's a system in which we can trade. In which so you're we saying can, liberalism we, came we from a along. Jewish tradition? I'm saying liberalism came from people using their brains. That's uh, what I'm saying. But in general, though, I think to uh, Geo's credit, people are frustrated with just this idea of, oh, we're just going to live for the sake of consumption. And Alexander, just to... Uh, uh, steel man no, we're not talking saying about that here. we're, we're talking no. about in terms of history how this is basically um like this is almost going over the greeks and the christians and so forth and this entire interpretation of the west is sort of uh, how many thousand no, but i think I, I think here? it is I very know. related i don't know maybe it's not but alexander would you say there is right now something that you can uh bridge between the different worldviews that existed in the past when it comes to Zoroastrianism and uh, Gnosticism and, uh, let's say, fascism, or what appears to be, in my opinion, fascism rising up right now online, and uh, liberalism. 
Uh, it's just little boys who play too many computer games. Put them <laughs> on the front line and shoot them, all of them, and then they're dead, right? So the, the, the reality <laughs> is so different. Go into a fucking war zone. It's not a game any longer, right? So I, I, I'd say that to me, it's important to get the history right. That's why I'm writing process and events. So Synthism is the book about the future I wrote that first. That's the easy part, right? Dame wrote Digital Libido, which is, of course, the apocalyptic state we're going into now. It's going to be very, very messy next 50 to 100 years. Very bloody, very messy if we even survive. After that, we rewrite all of history, like all the history of ideas. Process and event is about that. That's what's called process and event. There are no other ideas that are interesting except process and event. Those are the only ideas ever. And, and anything else is not part of the truth. It's, it's not true. It's just... It's a, yeah, forms are interesting, yeah, but even mathematics these days is topological and pathological. So finally Leibniz got it right, and finally mathematics is also now moving in a completely processual direction. And, you know, the platonic forms are just dead. They're not that interesting. They were kind of banal, vulgar. Right. So uh, my point, and I think Gnostic boy here agrees with me, is that we need to go into much more mature and finally adultify humanity or else AI will just slaughter us, right? Why would why would why would AI keep us if we don't adultify and actually move into our very best, the very best we could be? Then working with technology and symbiotic intelligence, of course, and we're creative and provide things. I think that that's what I'm doing philosophy about, and this is why right now with Jan, before we finish off everything, is to rewrite the history of ideas and get it right. And I'm just sick and tired of these myths from Lord Byron from the 1820s about what the West is or about that there was a Europe. Europe was invented 150 years ago. You know, the nuclear family was invented by a Prussian bureaucrat in 1817. No culture ever had such weak families as we do. That's where our families are imploding. We're so fucking high on ourselves just because we happen to be wealthy. No, the family is Really, really we need to relearn from every culture we could find just to survive, to be honest. Be more no, but there, there's a great book that came out recently from Imperium Press about the ancient family in Europe. I mean, the, the concept of the nuclear family is only like, it's a modernist invention. It's not... Family should be 40 people. Or, That's a starting point for a family yeah. to make it work, right? We agree on, the I think, like, what I want to hear Gnostic Boy talk about is that where does this play into, say, mysticism and different cults? I think they will thrive. I mean, I've said it all along. Mad, mad cults, mad sex will thrive, but also probably some very reasonable ones. I think guys like Peter Thiel are doing nothing but lock themselves up somewhere to create cults and sex around the world. We, we predicted long ago that once the autocracy takes over world through digital, we won't even see them. They, they have no reason to be out there at all, right? They, they'll be voyeurs. They'll look at us through God's eye, the satellites, and then control us. So that's unavoidable. That's going to be the next elite. The question is, what I want to hear from Gnostic boys, like what kind of cults will they be interested in? Because here's the difference between Christianity and Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism drank the most potent fucking psychedelic drinks you could ever imagine. You either have to live in Afghanistan, Peru, or Mexico to make really potent drinks. Right? They drank the Homa. They put at least eight different fucking substances in. They blew their brains out and were shamanic. They Christianity might. banned all of that. It bans everything that has anything well, to do with Well, for good reason. Because do you want it people is, like you running the world, Alexander? No, because it's a religion about women and children. It's not a religion for men. That's the problem with Christianity. But I would think Gnostic Boy agrees with me that where is the masculine cult? Where's the cult of the phallus in your world today? 
where will it pop up? Oh, wait, wait, I have to challenge you. No, 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 no. Gnostic has to go, and then you can challenge. Yeah, but you guys should hate each other, because Gnosticism is the ultimate religion of of being. I wouldn't say Gnostic is a Gnostic. Right, Gnostic? You're not a Gnostic. I have my own form of Gnosticism that I like to. Oh, well, then. I think attaining Gnosis is better than faith. And it's all over. Uh, (laughs) I think salvation comes from Gnosis, not faith. But but anyways. um, Yeah, I agree. What I was saying was, I think their question is important because people are looking for something that's not something real, but something that's not just materialistic, something that's brings them outside, something that connects them to something higher. And they're looking for something and they're not they're looking at these religions that we've been given in the West. And they're saying, no, it's not working. But like you brought up psychedelics. That's a way for someone to have a spiritual awakening in an instant. And then. Yeah. They, all of a sudden, they have I a, don't know about they that. have a DC AD moment in their in their life that it, everything changes. I had my own experience on DMT where I haven't looked at the world the same ever since. And I'm I'm with you, brother. Yeah, but again, you're just repeating the same problems here. You're just saying that we have to go into little micro cults and that that everything will be rectified. But that's the really just spiritual liberalism in some ways. You're still going to replicate the problems that we have. The problem is we have massive decentralization of tradition of everything in life yeah but that's, how that's adding to it is that's going the to be... internet deal you're here with your own little cult with love and i'm against yeah, the that's, I, I don't silo maybe it's a silo. Bit, a, the internet was that way for a little bit but not we're nowadays agnostic nowadays the internet's incredibly centralized okay. can i just can i just before because agnostic boy probably agrees with me here so the things you can study sufism same thing that's like another agnostic tradition way older than islam etc so the problem is this one. You have a monist tradition, you have a dualist tradition. So when the Zoroastrians, Kartir, my favorite, toughest guy ever in history, when he in the Sassanid Empire, 5th century, went after the Gnostics, we should be reminded he went after the dualists. He went after Mostak and Mani, and he slaughtered them and their followers, etc., because he said they were a curse on humanity, and I agree. I think that any cult that says, oh, there's another life somewhere else, we can just go on with things. It's basically just saying to guys of power that, Okay, I give you the afterlife, so now you're my slaves. Mm. Wait, Mazdaq was that's, the one preaching where, free love, right? The Gnostic, the Gnostic did the Nietzschean sort of aristocratic revolution against that, whereas the Sorastas said, no, you must tribally revolt mm. against that. You must tribally revolt against which was Sorastas pr- promoted the idea of the Baden, the follower who's educated, knowledgeable, and therefore can understand how the world operates and think for himself. That's mm. the original Persian idea, the Baden. And the Baden is a Sorastian idea. So the, 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 the conflicts that occurred here, and that's also reflected with the Sadakites actually killed Christ. It's, it's a conflict in Judaism and Christianity. It's the conflict in a modest worldview where everything is interdependent from a worldview where there's another world somewhere else. And I think this is where I, I'm totally with the monist. And I say dualism has caused problems now for thousands of years. Can we finally get over mm. the dualist worldview? Where, where do you think something like China lies, specifically communist China, specifically things like Chairman Mao as well as the China of today? What would you say their mindset is regarding where they fit in here? Okay. They, Deng Xiaoping was a genius. He was tough like hell, so I don't mind tough guys, do you? But Deng Xiaoping was a genius. He understood that the three religions of China could actually be used as a power triad. So the mother-child religion, Christianity equivalent in China is Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the religion of the traders uh, is, is Taoism. And the religion of, of the engineers, meaning the warriors, is, of course, Confucianism, because that's a state mm-hmm. bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. He wanted to use those three and have like three capitals in China. And he, he knew that decentralizing China through the triad would work. It, it, it's Judaism, Zoroastrianism, both have triads, right? American constitution, Persian idea through the French. 
Definitely Persian. That's why it works. That's why it's great. So Deng Xiaoping saw, by not use the three religions of China as our constitutional form of a triad. And then, of course, Xi Jinping 2014 shocked anybody who knew Chinese culture and destroyed the whole thing. But, but I think what's happening in China right now, Xi Jinping is going down the route of a Soviet Union way. I think China and Russia are going down the wrong path because they got terrible people running their show and they're just going feudal. And that was exactly what Deng Xiaoping tried to avoid. So we're going to see Deng Xiaoping's 30 years as that was the golden age and the missed opportunity if Xi Jinping isn't gone within a few years. Because Xi Jinping was the worst news China could have when he came along in 2014 with his very simple mind, his terrible little book, and destroyed Deng Xiaoping's attempt mm. as a try. So China had complete religion. India has complete religion. Persia had complete religion. We don't need any more or other religions than the ones that were along the Silk Route. I'm proposing that we should now reform our own paganism in the West, throw Christianity and Islam out, both of them, and reform the old pagan tradition we have like they do, and then have Well, that ain't going to happen. So, hmm. no, but, I, but I am very curious, though, if, you were, if no, you're talking but, about but China. Hold on, hold on. If you're talking about and... China, if you're talking about China today, what is the worldview that you would say the Xi Jinping followers have? Do you see it as being similar to, let's say, Putin's and similar to uh, Alexander Dugin's as far now, as this I, whole they, Eurasianism? They just, they, there are 100 million exile Chinese soon. They work their asses off. They own large parts of the world. They're dominating Canada and Australia. They're in Taiwan, Singapore, everywhere. I think the 80 to 100 million exiled Chinese will eventually take over run China. It's just Xi Jinping is going to territory first. But Russia will probably fall first. I think everybody's talking about Taiwan. That's not what's going to happen. I think the Chinese are going to take East Manchuria and maybe then Siberia. Mm. I think they're eyeing it right now. But I, and that's, I, yeah. that's, China will beat Russia at their own game, but then China will start falling apart from the inside because these types of empires with a tyrant at the top have been proven over a thousand years never to last. Well, you have to a have a constitution to make an empire work. And I'm not moralizing about that. I'm just saying what works is splitting power from day one in, in the two-headed phallus and the matriarch. So you have a priest, you have uh, the king, and you have the matriarch, right? Any any form like that works over time. Persians proved it for 2,200 years. Egyptians tried the tyrant six years lasted. Now we're back with Putin and Xi Jinping being little boy pharaohs trying to be tyrants in, in falling feudal empires, right? That's a terrible mistake. I think Russia can have a golden future behind Putin. It will I have the Russia, future yeah, Putin. but without Putin, he's no, too with Putin. It was, he's too it with Putin. Mm. He, no, no, I think no, Ukrainians, the Ukrainians would go towards me. Moscow within a year. The Ukrainians would go towards Moscow please. within a year. Let me challenge you something though. If you think that we need to revitalize um, what you say is a sort of Persian interpretation of pagan traditions in the West, where is this going to come from? This isn't going to come from America, sir. I mean, do you expect the sort of American ruling class? To do something no, of that no, magnitude. I think, I think my new. Whereas China and Russia actually are civilization states that actually do have a vision for their own people. Whereas Washington, no, Washington have that. No, no, they do not. They only have. They only well, grab power and try to keep it. That's all they have. Exactly. They're oligarchs. I know these guys. They're all. I work. Well, there. They're oligarchs. They're nothing else. There's no. There's no narrative there. I mean, no, no, no. It won't last. The Russian Orthodox Church is so fucking corrupt. The Russians are laughing their heads off at their own church. That's not, they don't have spirituality. They're rather now in a very, very cynical mode in oh. Russia, right? And after, but after cynicism comes affirmative. And affirmative is the potential of Russia. Because Russia is got after climate change actually happened. Let me Russia's quote you something like from Alexander Dugan recently. Ever, you know? Let me quote you something. 
This is from his recent letter from Geopolitica, where he directly names them. He says, and the main battle from now on takes place against between them, between the Russian idea, the, the Kachun, the Orthodox civilization, and the world of the Western Antichrist coming towards us. You, uh, yeah, then he talks about Ukraine. He only does negation. He's so fucking obsessed but I'm saying, with the West. But I'm saying because that it has will no revitalize the Orthodox that... tradition because no, they're against no, the Hispanic no. West. His orthodoxy is just a negation. There's nothing there. He just says, I'm anti-West. Anti That's like a Muslim saying, I'm not West. If you only speak through negation, you're nobody. Mm. Nobody obsessed with your enemy. Your enemy is you. But a negative tradition is better than a nihilative tradition, which I see. No, they, less there is nothing there. Russians are consumerist, bored to hell with Putin. They're moving to Tbilisi. Every fucking gay guy in Moscow oh. is moving to Tbilisi. They're gay. Good, they belong there. They belong no. there. Get them out. Clear them out. <laughs> no, no. no here's my news. I'm that they're, yes, they Deal. have been. The Orthodox tradition Deal. You haven't even Russia. been to fucking Moscow. You don't speak Russian. Keep don't Russian. worry. I'll be there soon. Gnostic boy is my new best friend. For, I think it's I want to get you on my channel, too. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I really want to talk to you more. Yeah. I think the no. guys who understand that you go off and create your own cult, but make it really a truth-seeking cult, smartest guys in the world. Mm. Right. Only problem right now I'm noticing yeah, but, in... Uh, but, 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 well, but, well, hold on, hold on. He's not an actual theistic Gnostic, though. How are you going to create something from the bones of new atheism? I don't understand that, Neil. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, but, I'm, but these new, this sort of Gail, new can cultism. he talk? Can he talk for sorry, a while? Sorry, Thank you. No, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I think that my idea of a god is not the sense that it's like some personal Jesus that's going to literally speak to you. I think that it's more of a Spinoza, Deus, creator that is all, the everything. That's just, you know, that's more. I can, I, I, can, I, I, can, I can give you four gods here, right? The void, Atheos, uh, the universe, Pantheos, your god. The third one is uh, multiplicity in itself. We call it Entheos in our work. That's because when you look inside yourself, you're split like hell. Multiplicity. The three mm. gods, void, the universe, multiplicity. The fourth god is the one that we establish in our work. And that is, if we want God, we will create God because it's called technology. So mm -hmm. this will end with this. Woman give birth to child. Man envies woman for giving birth to child. Therefore, man gives birth to technology. Because technology does develop, whereas child never develops, but keeps being stupid. Sooner or later, technology will kill child. That's the end of humanity, but it's the beginning of intelligence. It's called Synthios, God. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. But you, for the you people... almost jerk off when you hear that, don't you? Right? Yeah. <laughs> but for the Those people... are very mystical sounding yeah, words, but that really just is a well, worship of nature all over again. I well, hold on a second. For the people who very are... I'm going to... I'm going to actually... I'm going to actually vouch for Geo a little bit here. So for the people who are online right now who see a lot of uh, things that make them very demoralized, they see that people don't really have that much meaning in their lives, and maybe they're listening to this stream and they're thinking... I don't think a lot of people are going to be able to understand what Alexander is talking about. I don't think they're going to be able to be these Zoroastrians. They need some higher purpose. They need somebody to show them the way. They need some flash, some light, which is why I think the romanticism, which captured fascists in the past, has captured a lot of people who I don't think are fascist, but who I think are yearning for some some power, some sort of like the phallus energy you well, were that, talking that about. Well, that is, again, an Umberto Eco uh, lib interpretation i mean if you've read um 
you know, thinkers like uh, Mussolini's intellectuals that like to say that fascism is just an affectation. I mean, okay, but wait, we're getting wait. off topic here into politics. Well, wait, 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 I want, I want let's go back to Gnosticism. No, wait, How can Gnosticism? No, wait, 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 Gio. Wait, I want Bar to answer. Yeah, I want Bar to answer. Where does fascism come from? What's the word it comes from? What's the Italian word it starts from? Fascia. Where does fascia come from? Was the origin of fascia, the idea of fascia. So it was in ancient Rome, I believe. No, no, no it's, before. Persian. it's Persian. It's called oh. the Muslim. Yeah, uh, it's Persian. Actually, I always knew I was an Arab. <laughs> the Barsam is about 1,500 years old in the fascia. There's a lot the fascia of, was Roman. There's the a lot of scholars Roman. that talk about Italy being very heavily influenced by Persians. Like yes. before, we're talking about way before, like, you know, um, Cyrus time. Mithraism. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole the entire Roman army was a Persian cult. Hmm. But the reason why I brought that up originally to Alexander is if there is this uh, gap, and I know Alexander, you're saying, well, these are just like little boys that like playing with their toys. No, they're still they're, well. Hold on, Gio. They're still yeah. going to be around, and. I'm not sure if they're going to fully buy the monism that you're proposing here. So what do you think is going to happen to a lot okay, of uh, people in that state? this is how the world works. Let's go to René Girard, okay, and understand mimesis here. What happens is this. The nihilism today is because the old system has fallen apart, dying. So the, it's not a death of a god, it's the death of a paradigm. That means digital will arrive, and there'll be new rules, and there'll be new elites, and there'll be new losers, right? What I'm trying to do in my work, probably with Gnostic Boy, is I'm trying to create the coolest nightclub in the world. But I'm a, I have a tough door guy. And the tough door guy demands you're intelligent enough to understand my philosophy and understand the work that I do so you can then comprehend and understand the fucking drugs I'll give you and the fucking traditions I will introduce you to inside the room. So there's a barred absolute. It's called the door of the nightclub. Now, the other boys will have to stand and wait outside. If they don't get what I'm doing, I can't let them in. That's just how things are. But if somebody in a society creates a new paradigm and people can see it, human beings are good at one thing, mimesis, mimicking. That means if somebody finally does the right thing and everybody else sees it, they can mimic it. And that's the best hope we always have for humanity. That's why I always read Marx and Nietzsche next to each other. As mm -hmm. Nietzsche talks about the one guy who establishes the new truth, Marx just says, what if a bunch of guys then mimic that so they can be role models for the next bunch of guys coming in? That's how you should read these thinkers. Nietzsche is the Aryan, Marx is the Jew. You should read them exactly that way and then understand what they're talking about because they're heroic. So all I'm trying to do is to see if Gnostic Boy and I can have our own conversation on his channel yes. and then keep on talking about how do we introduce the smartest guys out there today to do the right thing and start the cults they really want and then seek truth in those cults and not go into fantasy. And then within the cult, you have to decide, okay, what can we actually tell the guys outside? How can we make their lives better? At the end of the day, for the guys standing queuing to the nightclub, my job is not to get them inside if they're not ready for it. My job is to make them go home, marry a woman, and love their children. That's, well, that's how a society operates. Well, what does Gerard think of as the, the ending, the cessation of that chain of mimetic relations? What is that thing? He doesn't have an end. He, 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 he Well, no, it's, it's in Gerard. Yeah. That's obvious. What he's but, saying is that instead of killing the scapegoat and then repeating the mistakes, right? don't kill the scapegoat, but rather see your own mechanism, stop the scapegoat mechanism through law, for example, so that people instead go into the event rather than go into the lynch mob. That's exactly what Zoroastrianism teaches too. And in Nietzsche's work, we have to split the Dionysian and say that what Nietzsche talks about is the Dionysians form, mm -hmm. opposite, the opposite of that, the Siberian mob.
And that's Dugan's thinking. That's what Dugan is right. The civilian mob dominates the world today. That's what dark times. You need to rise our phallus again. You need to go back to the phallic, which is to have a Dionysian swarm. The Dionysian swarm is what Marx calls the proletariat. The Dionysian swarm is what Nietzsche calls the aristocrat. That's the force of the new that understands the mechanisms, technology today, digital, and then rides on top of digital and takes over the world and therefore creates a model for how you establish power. It just seems right now the people that are taking over the world are some of the most ridiculous uh, TikTok uh, kids who don't really care that much oh, about politics. Oh, they'll be done or... in no time at all. That's just, that's, that's just Versailles, and this just poofs in Versailles. That's not the streets of Paris. The streets of Paris haven't happened yet, Levy. Le Digital hasn't happened yet. You must understand. You can't look at anything today. TikTok and Instagram is just addiction clinics, basically. It's just, it's just mm. 20 year old girls <laughs> blowing their heads up right now. It's just going to go down the drain as major mistake because once a new technology establishes itself and you let it out, you get the French Revolution, you go to bloodbaths and chaos. And I said, we'll have the chaos for another 50 years. But while the chaos is going on and the bloodshed goes on, there'll be guys like Gnostic Boy here start their own little cults and go in with their brothers and go for ultimate truth. And that's where the new... And then there will be people like... Never mind, never mind. Uh, okay, so what you're saying like is that... People like me will come along. No, but, it, but it's funny that you're equating the Dionysian with the masculine, which you would say that the Chthonic feminine people have equated... That's sort of like the bastardization of certain feminist scholars. They would equate the sort of longhouse... Like the... Like the, the Apollonian is really the longhouse, really. The, the creative Apollonia, the Apollonia, the Apollonia is, is power already established. Apollonia is right. not a swarm or a mob, right? I'm talking about population. And of course, what Girard then says that the civilian mob, he doesn't use the term. He's basically, he's just afraid of the lynch mob, period. He's pagan lynch mob and he's sort of a, the last Catholic or something. But if you, if you take Girard seriously and become more Girard than Girard, which I work with Thomas Amariquid, for example, that, that means that you, you must take a more complex picture to it. So for example, if the lynch mob is the problem and the scapegoat mechanism here, well, the different types of mobs or swarms, and for example, the mob has a voice inside of it, which is the anoject. And when mm -hmm. the anoject puts on a uniform, moves quickly to power, you get a fucking Hitler, right? And you understand what a Siberian mob is built on bitterness and resentment. Nietzsche would have hated Hitler and the Nazis, right? So the opposite of that is the revolution of the new. And when the new establishes itself, it establishes a new paradigmatic order. Nihilism is thrown out the door. New gods are established. And that's what Nietzsche is dreaming about, what Marx is dreaming about. Yep. That's the Dionysian swarm. And that's not the Siberian mob. It's a phallic, positive, constructive, collective force. Mm. But in order to empower this kind of swarm, in order for people to even know about it, uh, you start algorithms... Cults with, you start cults with Gnostic boy. Okay, yeah. so let's say we start. Well, let's say we start our own cult, and Geo, Geo can come too. Eventually, he'll see the light. And once we start no, I, the cult, how do we get? Hold on, how do we get people? Painter established a pretty phallic cult as well. Well, hold on a second. How do we get the people? into the cult in the first place. So let's say people become excited about it. There's all these lowest combinator algorithms, which uh, you're saying that they're going to be on their way out. People are not going to be interested Lev, in their dancing anymore. I don't do anymore. sales pitches. I don't sell anything ever. I'm not trying to get numbers. I don't go for quantity. I go nothing but I go for nothing but quality. If I go one guy I'm doing with, I'll do my brother. I don't need thousands of people who are brothers. I just need people who get it.
Small Don't you think people. there's going to be uh, something uh, awry here when we have so many people out there who do not see even a fraction of the light who are going to make Lev, society into Lev, a hellhole? Lev, I'm going to yeah. have a fantastic nightclub with 200 guests in it and 20 of those will be in the VIP lounge. Outside, we'll have a queue with 200,000 people. They'll still be in the queue. Right. I don't care about the masses. I what don't if, do sales pitches ever. What if they don't want to be in the queue? What if they just want to destroy each other? I and don't care result... about them. They're, well, nothing quote... but, they're nothing but meat, right? They, at best, <laughs> oh, at best they mimic the masters and then they love the children. To quote That's Thomas 7-7, the alt-right was started in a bathhouse, so that, that is the thing. But then you're going to have to have guards around your nightclub, because if you have too many people that are screwing up, then eventually they're going to come for you. That's the, that's the other uh, problem here. No, they can't. Why not? I got, body, I got bodyguards already. Okay, see, to me, this is a little bit of a discombobulation here, because uh, you're going to have these nightclubs that are going to be well-guarded, but then you're going to have the masses who are going to be restless. It doesn't seem well-balanced to me. Why not? Watch me. All right. I mean, look, that may be the way things are going. There is an idea, again, I'm really trying to vouch for Geo right now because I know Geo's kind of getting no, you uh, beat up on here. You don't so, need, don't vouch for me. I, yes, I, I will think, vouch I for you. That, I will vouch listen, for you, Geo. Listen, fascism is the real anarchism. I think that uh, every sort of new conglomeration or affectation in politics and culture has come from the political right in the last 20 years or so. So I'm... I'm in a I agree. position right now. Okay, I'm That's I'm a right. I'm a Marxist from the right. <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> wow. uh, like Richard Spencer. All mm. But but she. Brandon is Brandon Neal and me. Uh, you know, Brandon Neal has done the same you, thing for years. If if Brandon compare, Neal, like, Nick Lund. If you compare right, Adam Marxist Smith, the right. to, yeah. if you compare Adam Smith to Karl Marx, is really not. There's there's a lot in common there. I'm not gonna yes. lie. Yeah. No, it's it, true because Marx, they both identify. They both identify with an economism that are at its core. No, wait, wait. The worker. The, the, the left dropped Marx in the 1970s when they were too stupid to even read books any longer. That's how it was <laughs> difficult. So they started reading Mao's Little Red Book, and then they became Rousseauans. So the left today is basically academic, middle-class, shitty, woke people. Yeah. The left is dead, right? That means when Marx comes back, of course, it's now historically being read properly. He hated Rousseau because Rousseau was resentment and Marx is erotic. The total opposite. So Marx, basically, you need Marx to understand what happens if a tribe of men take over the world rather than just a single guy. Marx, okay? Proletariat, mm -hmm. that's the name of it. So the proletariat is now happening. It's happening. That's what is happening. Marx was right. And what they're doing is that they're doing something. They're just keeping capitalism, fantastic function. You still rule the world with capitalism. But on top of capitalism, they're building intentionalism with the algorithms. Hmm. And the algorithms are beyond money. And because they now go beyond money, like Nietzsche went beyond good and evil, they go beyond money. They're creating a new value system that it's actually operates God. superior to capital, and therefore they will rule the world. It's a god. Which, well, yes. it's kind of like Gnosticism. Yes. I will agree. Mm -hmm. It is. I think no, but I think that sort of the annexing of it. It seems that within every socialist society, um, Marx is like the first thing to go out the window. It seems that the transition between yeah, exactly, exactly. He's not a socialist at all. Exactly. You yeah. should, Marx, Marx should have gone from capitalism to attentionism, from attentionism to his communism. Mm -hmm. Communism will arrive, but only for a select elite. It's my fucking nightclub, of course. Well, we live in elite communism. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, for as much as, and by the way, I, I know recently I clowned on Moebug for his uh, choice in women, but um, it is true he said one good observation, which is that, in a sense, Western capitalism does tend towards like an elite form of 
almost mystery call form of communism. Mm. Well, Gio, where exactly do you see this uh, nightclub scenario going, again, for the common people? And I know Um, I keep harping on these common people, but I just feel like if nothing is done about that situation, the guards may not be enough. I think that um, as confrontational as I am, because you're totally offending my Christian trash tradition, um, no, I think that the nightclub thing, because of the sort of, the digitalization of life that we're finding ourselves as. I, I think that what uh, Neil and uh, Bard is getting at isn't entirely um, away from the truth. I just doubt its veracity I, because I, I do think that there will be a great re-territorialization by the powers that be of these various newer cult or cult identifications that are being created. There was a period in the internet that Alexander Bard was a champion of where this reality was much more pertinent, but I do think that nowadays... Um, it's sort of like I, I don't I if you were to tell me a few years ago that maybe I would agree with this, but I think that you need a rival tradition to counter um the sort like the sort of deterritorialization of everyone in their little micro cults, I think isn't going to cut it. I think that it's it, but it definitely is a reality. I think that to their point, it is a reality. And there's it's happening right now. We're seeing a remystification of discourse within the internet, right, as we speak. Mm. And the TikTok people are just as subject to this. Um, as well, I think, you know, the fact, the fact that like, for example, uh, I, I don't want to pick on you, Neil, but like, I think the fact that you're uh, recognizing the sort of uh, limitations to a, an identification of this sort of like, you know, meme-ish uh, 2010s atheism, I think that to strive for something better than that, I think that's indicative of it. Like, for example, new atheism is dead as such because people have recognized the sort of, uh, the sort of reintroduction of the chthonic and the mystical within everyday life. Although I think the problem is that it will tend towards very destructive forms of cult, cult like activity, mm. whether it's on the political right or, I mean, the left, the contemporary woke left is like a, almost like an animistic mystery cult in itself. My, With my the good furries. friend Daniel Miller. Yeah, all my good friend Daniel Miller. Dude, all these things will die. They're just fads and things. Priests, oh, yeah. were, all, priests were always atheists. Because the, the act on behalf <laughs> of God. That's the point of being a priest. But it's called uh, ironic. Yeah, ironic, ironic nihilism is always universal. So the, 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 the nihilism phase you go through the paradigm shift is naive nihilism followed by cynical nihilism and then affirmative nihilism. That's mm. the order they mm-hmm. discuss it. But parallel with the affirmative nihilism is the constant ironic nihilism. That's how the priests keep their mouth shut and say, don't pick the ones your king. Because of the time, you, the I, I'm truth, right? I, don't pick me. Have the king, have him believe his story, and then he's the king, right? What you don't take truth, guys. Daniel? I say in the, in the, in the yeah. image of Plato's cave, the priests are the ones that are holding up the images so that the people can can look and see it's the priest that's holding that image up yeah they know that, they, they know the inner oh, mystery yeah that's right yeah it must be done that way that's the point the priests know that it must be done that they way know the inner mystery. Because, right, right. because because the truth you look for inside the barred absolute might not be the truth you want to tell women because then they kill the children right the, the point is that you have two jobs as a priest Avoid war for as long as you can and make sure people trade until war eventually comes anyway. And then make sure people still love their children. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all men here. Uh, if women don't want to give birth to children, our civilization dies. But that's, that's the end what, game. No, but that's what I mean. That's, that's the end game, happening right? is that there's and this creation. Like, it seems among Zoomers, and while well, shithead millennials, like our millennials in our generation, but it seems that Zoomers especially, there's sort of like a... Uh, passive antinatalism going on in the West anyways. It seems that the sort of uh, the, the gynocratic world order is now manifesting itself within total annihilationism, which is 
it's happened in certain periods in human history, I'm sure, but mm. it seems well, that the memification. Well, is it also terrible. is it also because a lot of guys don't see that much of a reason to get married? They don't really see what they get out of getting right. married, having right. kids. What exactly would change that kind of uh, relationship? Because again, if we're talking about this nightclub here, what exactly would people would give people within nightclub a reason to go on, not just live for pleasure, but live for the sake of, you know, keeping the species going? Well, I don't save the species. Uh, I don't save. I don't. I don't go for life. I go for intelligence, mm, and I don't care that... if intelligence, technological, biological, whatever it is. I, I rather give birth to a machine that actually is more fun than a human being. Is just stupid, to be honest. I, I'm not going for. I'm not. I'm not on the side of humanity. I can't you, be. What do you I'm think not about... on the side of life. I'm on the side of intelligence. What do you think about? Oh AI? my god. <laughs> what do you think about AI being the final form of evolution? No, no. Did you AI... understand, no, Nick Landau? No. Now, now I, I believe in SI, I believe in symbiotic intelligence. Intelligence can use whatever it wants once sure. it appears. It can use biology, knowledge, whatever it wants. So AI is, we only seen the beginning of this. We're not there yet by far, but eventually because we men are father, can we create technologies that actually are outperforming children very quickly? Then um, the future is not to give birth to more children, maybe. It is to give birth to even better technologies. Wait. And then technology gives birth to technology, we're sort of out of the game, right? Mm. But I'm going to challenge you on one thing here. It seems that you've been bashing the Western tradition, you've been bashing Platonic rationalism, but that in itself is a statement that comes directly from that tradition. The sort no. of rationalism starts with the fucking Persians. It's not the start. No, but I'm saying if the end goal is Laura just intelligence. Aster is the first rationalist. It doesn't start with Plato. Come on. No, no, but I'm saying that the, the sort of no, but the sort of materialist reification of it that developed in the West. That's that's sort of like saying that intelligence detached from the human is no, the that's end America. goal. That's That's not the West. That's America. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying, but I mean, like from Kant, like Descartes and Kant onwards, it seems that to detach intelligence from the picture of the human homage. No, God, me don't is, get. That's the Dio, form of Satanism, Dio. my friend. No, Dio, we built opera houses and art salons, and we did art like mad in Europe and the Renaissance and everything. Nothing of that is materialistic. Materialism is basically when the worst fucking pop trash crowd walks into the door, and they want their entertainment, and you get fucking Disney World. Well, That's where religion has gone down. Well, you I do know, agree with you. The school tried is magnificent. America produced Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and Scientology. It's increasing madness. You know, that's America mm. for you. But then but what I, about the I, uh, new atheists? I want to touch on this uh, as well. Yeah. When it comes to the impression that, let's say, more religious people have, or I'd say, maybe I'm wrong here, maybe even more artistic people have an impression of the new atheist movement where they see it as being too dry. Is it because there are kids that need to grow up and get with the new atheist adults? Or is there th something you saw within the new atheist Everything movement that's dry? Everything is religion. First sentence in the book. Everything is religion. If you don't know you have a religion, you have a really bad religion. <laughs> it, everything is religion. It, religion, as soon as you have to try to grasp what the world's like, you start guessing and fantasizing about it, you're religious. Religion is how human beings relate to one another. Your biggest part of your brain is mimetic and it's obsessed with social relations and hurricane. Religata, religion. But then would you say that there is enough flavor or not enough flavor for people to be attracted to something like the new atheist movement because do you think that there is a reason why it uh, died down or it hasn't died I down i don't it's still care active. about popularity because i don't care about sales pitches because i don't care about quantity i don't care about the masses i care about truth even okay? if we disregard most of the masses and talk about the people who are going to be on your level 
I would say that at least I try to be close to your level as possible. And I'm an animator. I create films. I do things that I consider to be pretty artistic. For me, it's not enough to have smart people who are atheists talking about the things that they talked about in the way that they talked about it. Are you and I having a personal therapist session? Having a philosophical yes, session like we're <laughs> okay. having a philosophical what, discussion what, and what therapy did, session. What did Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, the three siblings, do in Egypt? They walked around, knocked the doors, and offered people to go with them into the future. The new paradigm, right? Wow. A few did. Who? The smart ones. And they walked off and started a whole new age in history. Right? Uh, that's what you do. I'm I think we need a Polarian G. Anybody is offered to come to my nightclub. We'll have a door outside. We have a long queue outside, and we know exactly who's coming, stand in the queue. And if you're smart enough and creative enough and brave enough, we'll pick you out of the queue right away and take you to the nightclub and even put you in the VIP lounge. Only a few people will, will get that, though, because the rest are just mass. They're just meat mass, right? And they want to be meat mass because they're driven by the death drive. They're not interested in libido or creating the new or whatever. I agree there. Yeah, I, uh, that's true. It's like, it's like the, uh, the academy. It's like if, you don't have, if you're not interested in geometry, don't even come here. But it's just like exactly. a new, Yeah, it's the same exactly. sort of concept. I, don't I, know, teach, I, wanna... I teach tantra. It's sex. It's drugs. And it's philosophy, mm. right? And most people are not at all ready to do Tantra. So the first thing we tell them, you can't do this. You know, you're not welcome because but, you can't have but this. Why, but why should intelligence be worshipped above the human? Is intel do you mean intelligence as like sort of the driving divine force of the human or something Do you? Do you? Yeah. Oh, a, mosqui a mosquito. Kid life. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, what's the difference between the mosquito and maybe killing Gio? I think he is slightly more intelligent than the mosquito. That's oh, it. that's cold. Oh, well, that was the first that's compliment cool. I ever it. got. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, if we rewind back a little bit here, I don't have a problem with the nightclub idea. I don't even have a problem with the whole uh, people as meat idea. But in order to balance this really out, to we're, we're going to get to Gnosticism. Don't worry. In order to balance this out a little bit, I still think that there is something to the idea of being sober and acquiring certain things without the use of drugs, as well as helping people who want to be helped uh, along, you know, uh, give them a little bit of rope so they could climb into the nightclub, maybe sneak through the back door, but do it in such a way that I feel you like don't feel like you're letting them down. I feel and some makeup and be Lev's mom and applaud my little boy because <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, I'm man. sorry. I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to say when it comes to wanting to help people reach, uh, you know, to a higher level. I don't see anything wrong with that. Maybe it's uh, wasteful. I don't know. But I still think that there is something to that idea. I don't think most people want to get to a higher level. I think they want to live their lives as they go by. They're driven by the death drive, and they live and they die. And but you know, if they love their kids, I'm perfectly happy and proud of them, and I think they're fantastic. I don't even have kids. Mm. I think people who have kids are terrific, but I don't have kids because I, I, my kids are my books and things. So um, I, I, I'm totally for, you know, I, don't, I, I know all hierarchies are illusional anyway. I highly respect other people. I'm a Filipino cleaning guy coming over two weeks. He cleans. I can't clean. I worship him. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I live in an archetypological world. I live in a world of different human archetypes, and I respect every one of them. But when it comes to leadership, it, it comes to inspiration. Some people are pioneers. 
And they must have the talent to be pioneers. They must be the right person at the right time, at the right location. They must have the right technologies. They must have the right language. They must have the right education. They must have some nice parents or something like that and the kick in the ass and some revenge or whatever. But they must go out there and become the Nietzschean aristocrat or, you know, the anarch, if you want to use that. And, and to be the anarch, few people are. But the anarchs are the only hope we have. They're called Celsians in Persia. They're called messiahs in Judaism. This is the guy who says that I'm going to do the new, and because I'm doing the new, you can copy me if you like. That is the new age. That is the new paradigm. That is the new religion. Do you, you think that, and I was just thinking about this, this is out of the blue, Heraclitus, the uh, yeah. pre-Socratic, not, not pre-Socratic, but the philosopher, I think he was a Zoroastrian? He was Kurdish. He was a, a philosopher. He was a court philosopher in the Median Empire. He was widely popular, and that's the only way you find fragments of him in Egypt, because these were the fragments, actually, how you read Heraclitus. He was a fucking genius. Right. And he, he basically summarized. So what you do, Giorgiani agrees with me that this is Giorgiani's weakest point. If you study Zoroaster's own text, the Gothos, and then you study Heraclitus' fragments parallel, it's the same fucking ideas all the way through. That's what I'm getting at, yeah. Yes. So wow. Heraclitus is the the Persian Greek, right? So you get Zoroastrianism, if you want to read it through the Greek view, to Heraclitus. Pythagoras right. was also Persian. Many of the Greeks were Persian. So, and, and there, of course, several of the Greeks were Egyptians too, but the Egyptians were the ones who went with Plato and went with the afterlife, went with the idolization, went forms, the superiority of the forms. They went for the logos without the pathos. The problem I have with that, though, is that Plato had a small dick and he hated big dicks. <laughs> and I like phallus, right? So uh, the pro problem, Plato, oh. is that you have to desexualize the world to be. Yeah. But the world is sexual, highly sexual. It's tantric and sutric at the same time. So I'm totally embodied and I'm minded. And I believe that you both have a dick between your legs. You need to have a dick in your head to become a winner. And that's being a man. You're embodied and minded. You must be full. And the Platonists, the dick, so they focus on the head and become pillar saints. And of course, the tyrants of the world, they just want to be Mr. Big Guy and rule the world. And they have stupid little minds. They write silly little books like the Quran, right. the Mein Kampf. <laughs> And Mouse in the Red Book, the three worst of, books ever written. I don't Highly agree, Bart. This, this is Wilhelm Reich, too, one of too the, Wilhelm Reich for me. One, one of the fragments, <laughs> one of the fragments from Heraclitus is all things come into being by conflict of opposites, and the sum of things flows like a stream. The beginning of dialectics. Yeah. Now, I think that's where Gnosticism that actually comes from. the Sorastan idea. Well, I was going to say that. Yeah. I think but when you have ideas... These ideas get seeded into into Egyptian philosophy, and then uh, what grows out of that soil is Gnosticism, Western Gnosticism. Yeah. But with but Gnosticism, I, I am a I I am a Gnostic Mon with you if you allow mm -hmm. a monist worldview. And in Sufism, this of course is split constantly. I am a strict monist, not because the world had to be monist, but because it happens to be monist. Everything is dependent. Everything else, everything affects everything else. Heraclitus, a monist. It's dualism that I'm opposed to. And I think dualism yeah, comes from our own struggle with the world where some guys go off and, you know, people cut off their lives at the throat and some guys fly with their head and forget about their body. They're pillars. That's some guys hate their true. head and cut that off and they think they're only their fucking dick and their muscles and they forget about the head. Wow. And boy, mm, I don't want to be any of those. Oh, two. So I think a true gnostic like you is a guy who is both. Is there a yeah. difference, by the way, between Gnosticism and uh, Buddhist uh, non-dualism? Yeah, okay. So the Eastern tradition is this. There's another way to get out of the process for the event, and that's to go with the negatology. That's why the book I'm writing, because the last is essentially finally doing a Western Zen properly, right? The negatology means this. So 
to get out of the process, you can also go, go towards extinction. And death, obviously, is omnipresent. So there's a way to get out of the process, and that's death itself. And to then confront yourself with death and live with death is the Buddha's idea. That is perfectly okay. So what the Zoroastrians do is they say, we are the master yasna, meaning that we go with the mind side in our integrated idea mind and body. But you can also go with the body side in the integrated body mind version, and that's called Ahura Yasna. And they call the Buddhists Ahura Yasna. Buddhism started in the Eastern Persian Empire in the current Afghanistan, and then from there it spread to Northern India and onto the world and became the dominant religion of the East. But Buddhism and Zoroastrianism were interchangeable. And this is what's important. Both Varayana, Varayana started Padmabhayama, that means it started with the Persian. Hmm. It was a Tajik guy who started Tibetan Buddhism. Bond, which is paganism in Tibet, with Zoroastrian thinking, and then added a little Buddhist flavor on that. And when you then study Zen and John, you discover these traditions are much more Persian than they ever were Indian. Wow. Mm, very interesting. So uh, we also have super chats, but I do want to ask one last question about Gnosticism, which is, what do you think about this whole idea, Gnosticism, of this world being a false world that's made by the Demiurge and how there's all these different stages that people have to go through in order to find yeah. the truth out? Where do you think that whole part of it comes from, and what do you make of it? Plato. It's called Manichism. Yeah, and with monarchism, that's exactly what Zoroastrians went after. I think it's the most dangerous idea ever, and I'm totally opposed to it because it's a lie. It's so you agree with St. Augustine, then? Yeah, the Christian Gnosticism is, is, is not... I don't, I, I don't subscribe to it either. The, uh, no. the sort of Marcion, where you know the, the Demiurge is Yahweh, that stuff. I, I've never really... I, th mm. I think it's hilarious. I like reading about it. I think it's interesting. It's, it's entertaining, but I don't... It's not. Well, there was a there was a also Mazdak, and unless I'm getting confused, Mazdak was the guy who was a proto-communist who advocated for a free Ooh. love. It was yeah, that the case? I think Zizek talked about yeah. how communism Ma came Mas from the Mazdak yeah. was Muhammad's idol, so Muhammad yeah. based his. So Islam is based on Masochism, and that's why it's totally opposed to Zoroastrianism, and that's why there's a conflict between Islam and Zoroastrianism they always were mm -hmm. in, in the Middle East, right? And eventually we're now winning over Iran because they're so sick of Islam. You know, then have... you look at Salman the, the Persian, and you see how he was a Zoroastrian who met a bunch of Nestorian Christians. He was, but he was, he was a dualist, so he wasn't a Zoroastrian. Okay. So Carter okay. is my hero. Carter went after these guys saying that the world is a modest world. And any guy who presents the world as a dualist world is a liar, must go after the liars because they will cause havoc on the world. And they did. The problem with the last 1,500 years is that we've had these fucking boy pharaohs and pillars in to rule the show. And we must get rid of them now and get them out the door, right? Wait, well, Giorgiani wants to a G-word... Hmm. Uh... Islam, but yeah, that's well. What confuses me? Well, he thing. wants to g-word a lot of the uh, Abrahamic faiths, pretty much all of them. Uh, but uh, when it comes to uh, Islam, I'm a little bit. John is a Khomeini fan. He's a Khomeini fan. Yes. What you really have me Johnny on? Oh well, I would love for you to come on because of me. He didn't want to come on. I and I said I would. I said I wouldn't show up for that stream if it means I would just give Lev some questions about Heidegger. But he said no. Fuck it. Yeah, we had. It was a big thing. Giorgiani's well, official policy up. right now is basically the annihilation of everybody who believes in the Abrahamic faith, and I would love for him to 
take that back. If he takes that back, he's welcome on the show. Oh, but, even uh, if he doesn't take it back, I don't care. I just, no, I, I care. I care about that. I don't want people to want to annihilate your would father your and mother. Too, and it, would it would mean everybody <laughs> who subscribes to the Abrahamic faith, and I find that a little bit funny. Oh. But anyway, I, my question about Islam, though, is Mazdak, if he was all about free love, I'm not really seeing that much free love in Islam. What am I, what am I missing no, here? No, that's wrong. No, love. I, can I answer that? Sure. Stages. The, the original Islam, there was, uh, from the Sufi tradition onwards, but also Islam proper, they did have things like the perfume garden. I know Alan Watts talked about this, but it is true. Yeah. The traditional Islam is much less uh, authoritarian than it's like Wahhabist uh, bastardization. Yeah, it's Islam... just full of double standards. I mean, I lived in Istanbul. Come on, guys. Everybody fucks. You lived in Istanbul? Moves. You know, they're, they're, they're beyond bisexual. If it, if it has a hold, they fuck it. They fuck like crazy. And they fuck underneath tables. That's and Allah the Turks. You know, that's Islam. That's the wow. Well, if you look at Islam, the history of it, you, there is an original form of Islam that is not. Yeah, Neil, you know about yeah, yeah. it. It's it, there are there are stages of Islam where it gets, it starts beginning becoming more militant over the years, and then becomes what it is today. But it didn't start off that way. It did not start off that way. But uh, but how does it exactly work when it comes to the kind of punishments that are levied against people who commit acts of uh, sodomy? I think they're way they're it's way the more too. tolerant. Um... It's just that's just the norm for for religions back then. The, 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 yeah. The, the yeah, but today, as far as far as I see in the Middle East, that's very looked down upon, and people get punished uh, very harshly well, for that. Hey, so, you guys take drugs, and it's illegal in America. And if you get caught, you get punished and thrown in jail for twenty years. But if you get away with it, you take drugs the rest of your life. Double standards. Hey, Freud, culture thrives on double standards. That's why Islamic Christianity are popular because you ban sex and therefore it's more hilarious to have sex. The problem is that you can't be truthful to do that. You have to be. It's because sex is a powerful weapon. Mm. It It is part of the sacred and therefore it should remain that way. And now that we have gotten rid of that ethos, that is why I admire Islam, by the way, because... Well, well, oh, no, among other things. But I, no, anyways, I wanted to ask a Neil before we Well, go. you are wearing the fest. No, hold on. Before we ask Neil, yeah, I do want to continue yeah. on that thought because that is an interesting one. Well, no, th- I think... Well, yeah, Alexander. Guys, I love, I, I'm going to do talk more of a Gnostic boy here. Definitely. But we got to round this off. It's getting very late over here. Ooh, no, all right. Yeah. So my, my, my mother's getting upset at me if I don't go to bed soon. Oh, yes. So uh, we're going to we're going to run that off right now. Thank you, everybody, for the uh, super chats. Thank you for seeing those super chats. And I'm going to read them right now. Well, the only question that I had here is whether you think that uh, sex is something that should be held in this forbidden way. Otherwise, people get bored with it. But we all know his answer. Come we're going to have we're going to have another stream uh, later on. And that should be a very interesting one with a very interesting guest. I haven't fully gotten the confirmation yet, but it should be with Luke Smith for all the people here who know who Luke Smith is, that should be a very interesting conversation, to say the least. Anyway, you know Luke Smith. Well, look him up. Interesting guy. So anyway, Tux Love You says Sneed. And last super chat, Cindy Lomachi199. What do you think about the Dow and Alan Watts? That is the final question for uh, you guys. Uh, I know Gnostic, Alexander. What do you think? What, what? Well, what's it, well, what's it, what do you think of out? what do you think of Alan Watts and the Tao, as in the Tao oh, of Taoism? Oh God, pop religion again. Uh, he's okay. He's got a nice voice. You can take drugs and smoke weed and listen to yeah. Alan Watts, like you listen to Pink Floyd. But it's not profound in any whatsoever. It's not profound. He's oh, like, you bastard! I wasted all the money on his books. He's a, right. he, if I'm not mistaken, he's just like he was a psychotherapist, right? 
Yeah. He had a yeah, training. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it was like Jordan Peterson, basically. Yeah. All right. The yeah, last, the, uh, the last thing that I'm going to say, well, first of all, Croin kicks five US dollars Sneed. Thank you very much for the Sneed. Last thing that I'm going to say, though, this is what I disagree with Gnostic and Foreman on a lot, and I think now I disagree with you a lot, Alexander, and maybe I agree with Gio on this, which is I think that taking drugs, taking psychedelics and all that, there is something about it that does not challenge one's willpower as much. That's, that's what I personally believe. Yeah, but you're going to stay in the queue outside the nightclub so you won't see the drugs. It doesn't matter because, <laughs> no, no, here, here's the difference. I think Alexander, and this is Lev's law in effect right now, the one difference that I'd say between how you described people thinking of one day going into a heaven, that's why it's okay if life sucks now, I don't subscribe to that. What I do think is the case is... If you do certain things, then they're going to affect however other things turn out, both in this life and, and I know you disagree that there is another life out there, but let's say if there is one, then those things are going to transfer over however you did here to however you're going to do what there. What does it have to do That's, with psychedelics? I will explain, because I think that there is something to the idea of using one's willpower to achieve these transcendental states sober instead of using psychedelics and i think that that does oh, carry over to having certain kinds of experiences that's what i believe what a good boy you are and i'm sticking to it and i'm sticking to it stick to it no i think big I love think guys we'll... big love I'm all... hey, what thank you so much alexander died? for hey, coming in it's always a, it's always a pleasure i didn't ask him always that. a pleasure and neil i'll be in touch with you yeah for sure all right right away right away love you guys love you too take care bye-bye all right, so what it's just. What does Alex think of when what happens when we die? What does he think? Um, I, I don't know. What is uh? Ah. It's I a, don't it's know. A, you know. Yeah. I think that's a. I think it's just a question that traps people because once you, once you come up with the your own whatever whatever whether it's from a book somebody wrote whether it's from a scripture, now you don't you no longer you have to have that to be true. If that makes sense. Rather than we really don't know. And just be 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 at be at peace with not knowing what's going to happen. I I think yeah, but then I think every tradition has that element of it. I mean, even in Christianity, we, some of the greatest saints always had that doubt. I mean, I think that mm. it's just natural. But um, what who is Luke Smith? Is it the guy from Bungie? Who or who is Luke Smith? No idea. Mm. Uh, wait, so Luke Smith is a pretty famous YouTuber. He's uh, very familiar with uh, internet culture, and I think he does a lot of uh, you know, does a lot of references towards that. But he mainly talks about uh, technology, and he is also a Christian, by the way. So that should be a very interesting conversation. I've heard of, yeah, yeah, I've heard of. Yeah, I'm sure the people in the chat have heard of him. But anyway. But anyway, I don't know what Alexander thinks of what happens uh, when you die. I think that there is, you know, there, there is a certain uh, thing that I agree with him on that you can never really say what it is. And maybe it's just nothingness. Maybe that's the best way to describe it. But at the same time, again, just judging by my own experiences, I think that there is something to be said for soberly figuring things out that... With a drug, I think that there are certain limits to what exactly you can figure out because I think it's partly, it's partly doing it to you. 
but you're still it's still chemicals in your brain when you whether you do it naturally or not it's the same chemicals that's it's causing a reaction in your head yeah but that's like saying that there are waves in the radio and those waves are coming from the radio as opposed to those waves coming from somebody singing somewhere else and the radio picking that signal up it doesn't matter if it's chemicals mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the mechanism involved there what matters is the actual signal that's going out and at the same time it doesn't mean that you have to go for the religious worldview of assuming yeah, that but no, no, no. Hold on. Do you, well, no, no, no. You got you to let me finish here. Of, of assuming that you are going to suffer in this life and then you're going to be rewarded in the next. I don't believe that that should be the case at all. So then what So then, what the hell does that have to do with car, some karmic reaction of someone taking hallucinogen that your body naturally has a receptor of that gives you that reaction? So your body wants – your body is allowing this to happen, which means nature's allowing it to happen, which means God's allowing it to happen. Well, no, as we talked about before, DMT receptors are in the body that get activated when you do the Wim Hof method, for example. It's not limited specifically to these exogenous compounds that you take. Yes, it is. No, like yeah, I said you before. Need, you need to, to take it certain ways. You need to have a MAO inhibitor. No, it's no, it's fine that there are different ways of achieving it. All that I am saying is that you can also achieve it through doing breathing techniques. Right. You, why, you activate those same receptors. There, why wouldn't there be a karmic reaction to that? You're doing Be- the same thing. No, you're not, because you're actually doing the physical work. Because no, you're not, no, no, you're no, not no. relying you on to, a crutch. You have you're to not- establish why one's why doing the physical work is bad, and then doing it quickly is wrong. What's the difference? Well, I think it's because no, you say, hold on, hold on, because you you have to say you would now have to say that it's wrong to get on a highway rather than walk somewhere. You you have every to- time you question under, one under of them, Lev, that's what I- <laughs> hold on a second. Because under this is how logic works. Under your logic, you're saying that. It's wrong to get in a car and get on a highway. You should walk there. That's what you're saying. At the a certain logic applies. No, he, here's Not the difference. Really, I, no, here's the difference. Because when you're talking about walking, running, a cheetah is going to be faster than me. A gorilla is going to be stronger than me. There are certain things that we can do with our minds that neither of these animals can do. I'm not as impressed by somebody running incredibly fast because I know a cheetah can run faster. I'm right. much more impressed by somebody who can use their mind to figure out something that somebody who's going to be in a psychedelic stupor is not going to figure out. But, no, that's not true. You can you can you can figure out things in a psychedelic stupor that you can't figure out you have you ever sat there and meditated and gotten to a, a a full-blown breakthrough dmt experience ever in your life tell the truth it's getting closer to no. that step but no so what exactly. so, so, so i'm not so, in a rush so, yeah, why this, why are you in a rush i'm not in a rush i'm not in a rush I'm not saying everyone should do this, but I'm saying... Why are all the Buddhist well, monks not taking psychedelics? Answer me that, Riddler. Why it's are not all... important. It's not important. No, no, but, but, it has nothing know, do... It's not important, but it also has nothing to do with giving a negative no. karmic reaction if you choose to do it. Because no, they, but I mean... But this is an interesting... Something, either way. It's still a positive well, enforcement. No, but I mean, this is... Interesting. I'm sorry, my mouth is coming out of freezing. This is an interesting epistemological question because... If we are predicating the sort of uh, maybe not, well, the deliverance and the seed of truth upon a substance rather than a process of cognition or biology, then that, I think, brings up a, a number of interesting quandaries. I think what Love is getting at is that because you don't, I mean, even though psychedelics are incorporated within traditions, um, they were, let's face it, a bit marginal at the edges, despite what a lot of people think, that sort of other sort of rituals and traditions that have built that have been built up from great civilizations that they seem to not, they seem to askew 
the sort of clouding of the mind, quote unquote, and substances. And I think that's what sort of Lev is getting at. If there's people that are dropping out, like the sort of Timothy Leary vision of it, where, you know, everyone is going to drop out. I think that would lead to a lot of startling um, breakdowns. A, well, no, here's I, here's my most important that's point. That's a good here's here's that's the most that's important point. Somebody taking a DMT having a spiritual awakening, and then somehow it means there's going to have a bad karmic No, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you the answer but right now. Neil, I'll give you... There's an epistemological claim yes. there to say that there is a, a sort of totalizing truth within that experience. Well, not, not just that, other experiences but, are similar. Okay, here, here's my answer, Neil. Neil, you want an answer? Here's my answer. Yeah. When you're taking psychedelics, you are not in control. And I don't just mean that, that you're going to, you know, fly yeah, off right. the roof or something. No, you're yes, not. You, are. Yes, you, you are. are not controlling yes, the experience. You that's are being true. controlled by whatever true. it is that's, that's causing not it. not true. Have you ever done it before? Yes. Because uh, so I, don't, I, I don't know how you got to that conclusion. When you get, okay, so maybe maybe in a sense that if somebody off the street just takes it, you're right. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be in control because they're not, they don't know what they're doing. No, no, no. Oh, Forget all the physicalities. If you sat there and meditated, regulated your breathing, got into a nice area, a nice atmosphere, nice and quiet atmosphere, and you sat there, focused on your breathing, took the DMT or the ayahuasca, whatever it is, took the mushrooms, whatever it is, and then you can control it. That is a fact. I, 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 How anybody, do you know you're the one who's controlling Anybody it? who's watching this, who's, who's, who's been in these areas, will know that I'm not, that I'm not lying right now. This is a fact. No, no, no. I had a mushroom experience it. several times. I am not controlling it. There is and something else that's controlling were, then, it for me. you did it wrong. No, I don't. No, I think it's an illusion. I think a lot of these things are illusions that we convince ourselves just because it's profound that we're having this great experience. Tons of people I know who have taken psychedelics for a long time. I don't really see that much going on in there. People have the. It's not. It's not a solution. It's a tool. You're you're trying to say that um, people are claiming it's the solution, the end all be all. It's not. It's just a lot of people do, though. Like, let's face it, they're wrong and they're wrong. It's not the solution. It's just a tool, just like meditation. It's the same thing. It's just a different evidence. No, well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that that tool that's being used by people, I'm not saying that it's going to bring them to the end goal. And I'm not saying that sitting down meditating is going to bring you to the end goal, too. What I am saying, though, is that that tool is something where you're missing out on the opportunity to otherwise be able to work on having that experience with you actually being in control as opposed to these substances be being the ones that – no, you can't. Yes, you can. I've to done a, this to a very small extent. I've done this a million – look at left. Yes. Don't show – I think you can't show it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't show and anything. No, on, okay. Don't, don't, okay, okay. Oh, there All goes right. our stream. There goes our stream. Do you think no listen I make this shit, dude? I do this. I've been doing this for years. Oh years. no. You no, no, no. You could control you make confetti. Me. That's what it is. You showed us confetti right now. I'm telling you right now, if you could control your ayahuasca experience through meditation, you could control it better than you think. Love, I think we might have to edit that part out in you for YouTube purposes. I don't know if they like Oh, this, there's nothing it. legal about that. This is this is hostilis no, no. It's not this is not DMT. This no, is what, what is this? This what is, is completely legal. It's a mimosa hostilis root bark. Completely oh, is that legal. Serious, serious now, group? when I extract DMT from this, then it becomes legal. But this is completely legal. Mm. Well, there okay, we go. Maybe there's we, maybe we don't have to. There's no. no that, there's the loophole. All that I'm saying is that you so, may. Right, here, here's the thing. Tree. You may be in control as far as you're the pilot. If you want to smoke crack of, online? Then go to IP2. Then they do good, it all good, the time. Good. So Atox you, loves you, IP2 streamers. 
Yes, shout out to Tux Loves You. You may be in control as far as you're this pilot that's navigating this realm, but as far as the experiences that you are having within the realm, my more important point is regardless of whether you're in control no, you of the experience. Those. You can control those. You don't know if that's you that's controlling them. No. Yes, you do. No. You can think of something and you can be – it's really profound. You can control everything. You can literally think your way into different realms when you're on this stuff. You're controlling no. your entire experience in your mind. No, what, not, I, not what, I, what I think it is is you are asking this entity, this plan to can I please see this? And you're then they're like, the okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to show no, you this. I'm going to show you what you want to be brain. shown, but you're not the one who's actually doing it. You're relying on a, on a central authority here to give you this information. You're, you're not, not, you're not utilizing it yourself. The plants don't do anything. It activates chemicals in your brain. It's the same chemicals that are activated through these deep meditations. All right. Well, and you're look, asking I'm your brain to, to do the same thing when you when you're when you're when you go, which is a really really rare experience. But people do achieve it. I that is a fact. People achieve these psychedelic states through meditation, and they're doing the same thing. They're they're act, asking their brain to give them experiences. It's it's the same sort of techniques that you do, except this is just a way quicker way to get to that to that state. Yes, they may ask to get these particular experiences, but as far as the experiences themselves go, I don't think I don't think these experiences are earned, and I think that's something where you actually what, what earn the psychedelic. It means that you have to put in a lot of time says in who? order to figuring out. Says, says you. Says me, and I'm exactly. right about this. That's that's just that's a complete. No, no, and I'm completely right, I and you're not seeing it. Are you right? How even are... more liberal than Lev? Oh my god. No, but no, but seriously. No, though, because that's not what say... liberalism is, Geo. Liberalism is not just doing whatever you want. Liberalism right. is a system of uh, organizing no, no, society. Think, let me that's let me rephrase thing. it. Let, let me uh, defend Lev here. I know, shocking, right? Um, you have to establish why it's wrong or why it's why you're not. I think I think that anything. when you look at, I, I think when you look at the sum total meal of traditions throughout the world, and you see that there are sort of, there has to be an arduous path towards a sort of greater realization. I think that we've come across a very like I, I hate the word because I hate the guy that fucking made it, but we have a, a Lindy um, understanding of it in the sense that if you require a, a huge amount of initiation and work and ritual around this realization then there is a fuller integration of the lessons that you will learn and i agree then just no well then why are you arguing against that because though? it's not it's not that the just by taking a substance doesn't mean you're gonna have a negative karmic reaction because for right, any, right. Any base, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right neil imagine the state imagine the state of being where from cradle to grave yeah, you like are constantly you, you are constantly sitting down out. you are constantly sitting down in the booth where you are injected with all kinds of chemicals that are giving you pleasure that are giving you visions you don't have to do anything to achieve wire that heading. yeah wire, wire heading exactly what's so, the in that in heaven i think the difference oh is the utilization God. of well there we go oh, there we go shit. Neil, no, what is the difference between being plugged into a neural link and having oh, anime tentacle This is exactly why I believe that there are. This is exactly why I believe there are other realms. Okay. It's a rhetorical question saying that the the concept of heaven people will try to come up come up with through their right. religion is like this state of complete eternal bliss that nothing has to be done ever again. You're there forever. No, no, no. That's not what Christianity says. 
no, not, but it's, you were one with God. Christianity doesn't say a lot, anything about heaven, really, except for how to get mm. there. But right, as far right. no, as far as being in that, which I agree with, which I I'm glad yeah. Christianity went that route. It should go that route. But as far you as mean being like in the, popular, okay. popular, like especially yeah. American. Protestant oh, when we are in heaven, everything's going to be perfect. You're going to feel good all the time, and eternity is just going to be eternal bliss. Like, what's the difference between that and then being hooked up to a, a brain in a vat and you're just getting injected with? Right, right. But that's people's negative. There's no difference, picture. really. That's what I'm saying. But that's people's but that's people's sort of misinterpretation of heaven. I think that from that interpretation it's true. I think that some some pervert on the internet, if he's hooked into his uh furry futanari uh bliss, every Roger's own blasting at the same time. God, I can't believe I'm saying mm. these words. Um none of these words are in the Bible. Um it, sort of like if they are hooked up to a VR port where the erogenous zones of every single molecule of their body is irradiating with pleasure, then I think that maybe a lot of people would take that to be a form of heaven. Mm. But I think to Lev's point, Lev would say that um, Lev would say he's in the fucking call with us. Lev, I think you would say that what is the difference between the sort of like the wire heading AI bliss that comes from an algorithm as opposed to taking psychedelics are they not the same thing that's sort of like the cyber the cyberdelic uh like you know the computer will simulate a psychedelic experience but it comes, i think you're saying that that would be a layer of inauthenticity well, to the psychedelic itself it comes right? down to this somebody seeking for truth somebody looking for spiritual awakening somebody looking for something greater comes across a psychedelic they take it they get that achieved done nothing negative happened there now someone else might be on a different path they might just go in the mountains and meditate for ten years. There's, there, it doesn't. What you might say one's better than the other because I think that's more. Um, st I don't know. It's more. He he achieved it in a more profound way. Whatever. That's a fine. That's an opinion. But to say that one of them is all of a sudden negative or there's going to be some karmic reaction to that is like you just basically just. My opinion is I just feel that way. Because I, oh, I had a bad trip one time, so I don't like psychedelics. No, it's no. Actually, I had I a very, I had a very good trip. I don't think it was a bad trip at all. But that's not my point. See, I want to go above thinking about these things in terms of was it a good trip or was it a bad trip. Right. I want to think about more in terms of if all over here you have people who are wireheaded, and over here you have people who are trying to uh, get to the state in exactly. a you know in, in the sober way. And a lot of I say somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the well. middle, you would have people who are taking psychedelics a lot of times. What I would say though Everything's is chemicals though everything's chemicals. Hold on. Hold on. The, the, eat. No, they are chemicals, but inside those chemicals, there are, we're not going to get into that right now. Really, anyway, the diet you have, the ex exercises you do, it's all giving you chemicals, giving you a But it's not just about the chemicals. Body. It's also about what you do in this realm of chemicals, the choices you make. I, I think the choices that. you make matter. Right, and, but, Lev, but Lev, here's what I'm saying, though. People, it's not just people who take DMT are just lazy and just are, are going to, they're not getting anything. People who, for, let me just love with you for a second. Somebody who's out there, like some just some complete like idiot who's not really looking for truth. He's just looking for a good time and a party, take some DMT. There's nothing gaining, nothing happening there just besides a couple minutes of some fun. Whereas somebody who's literally, like you said, on the other side, seeking truth, seeking a path, seeking wisdom, seeking something greater, comes across it, does it, gains something from it, brings something back from it, and it affects their life forever. That is a good positive reaction, not a negative karmic reaction. That's proof that it's a good thing because they got something from it and, in, and, it, and it positively affected their life forever. 
Well, first of all, no, but, but I, again, I don't really know that another... many people. I don't really know that many people who took psychedelics. When I look at their life, I say, "Well, this is somebody uh, a, a model for me to follow." You know, like I haven't really seen that many people. I think no one's saying that though. You don't have to follow anybody. You no, I'm not even talking that. about following. I'm talking about I don't really see the psychedelics affecting people in the way that you're seeing them affect I do. them. I no, do. but but again, we have another epistemological claim. So we have two Go aspects. Go have... on Reddit and look it up. You'll see hundreds of people saying that psychedelics change their life for the better. They become a. Spirit. I don't want to trusting people on Reddit. I'm just <laughs> saying. But what are you calling them all liars? That's what I'm. But basically, what you're saying. You're yes, I've called every every well, Redditor is a liar. That's, no, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's where we stand. Is, is you're saying no. one thing and it's going against a lot of other real information. No, but to Neil's point though. To Neil's point, Lev, it is true. That is anecdotal. That like there, I think there are people who have benefited from these experiences. But I think that on the whole, so we have two, we have a, a sort of a double entendre of epistemological claims. We have one is that the substance delivers ergo into truth, delivers the subject into truth, two being the intentionality of it. So again, which to, to sure. Neil's point, there is a precedent within both mysticism and also in philosophy. There is sort of a there was this great writer, actually, I think he's dead now. Uh, he wrote this book, I think it was called Psychedelia, that uh, where he analyzes the sort of intentionality that people like uh, Husserl and later Heidegger talked about, where in, in, in analyzing psychedelics from the view of Western philosophy, from the sort of like post-structuralist, uh, well, the phenomenology, I think that there, there is some, there is a precedent within Western Eastern philosophy to say that when it comes to epistemological claims, intentionality of seeking that truth is important the east it gets complicated though because the east would say that intentionality is part of that negative dharma that seeking out is itself another trap so that is that is why by the way a lot of eastern traditions eschew the use of psychedelics for example love saying that which is true they've done studies where they've given uh vajra on a monk's psychedelics and they're like well i don't fucking see anything about this right. but that being said but that is a totally different um the problem I have with psychedelia is that unlike uh, you basically have to reinvent the tradition of the sort of epistemological um, mm. ways of knowing in the West and in the East. For example, Terence McKenna, he, he is very much of the global South. He's saying that the global South is the source of all tradition, the way that Georgiani and Bard would say that Persia is the source of all wisdom and tradition. So it, it, there really is kind of like, Little pockets here and there in the West and the East of psychedelia being a part of an epistemological tradition. Kaikia. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of them. But I, I would say that the problem is it would you would have to make massive claims in terms of the veracity of these substances within these philosophic and mystical traditions. I think that then you get into a lot of problems with scholarship. But even the way that philosophy has worked in the West for that hundreds of years, I mean, it's kind of like... The myth of There's Demeter, something there, but the Homeric myth of Demeter that's written by somebody attributing it to Homer. So it says it's written by Homer, but it's not. It's written by someone else. Anyways, it's an ancient Greek text. Homer, yeah, Homer is it's a conglomeration. Yeah. yeah, so it's an ancient Greek text that says that the people who went to the mysteries in Eleusis and 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 got initiated into the right never feared death ever again. All of them, they would never fear death. They they had this experience. They went out with their lives and didn't fear death and just had a better life because of it. You cannot tell me that if this is bearing this is true. You cannot tell me that's a negative thing. There's some negative reaction happening there. To me, that's a positive thing. 
it's it's maybe in its, in, in its own way. It may be positive yeah. for them for a certain amount of time. I want to look at this in the bigger scale here. I don't think you believe that there is anything after death, right? Neil, you lean on there. I don't. Well, you lean on basically Alexander Bard's uh, actually, view. I, I, you know what? I actually do think there's something. I do. I think what? there's something. I just don't know what it is. I, okay. don't, even, I don't even try to, to even think about it. Okay, and the thing, and the thing with me is, I don't know either. But what I would say though is, I lean on there being something, which is why I lean on there being something special to the ability to start noting. You know what noting is in Buddhism when you try to understand exactly like what is going on, what are all the sensations that I am free, feeling free at any point. Entry, yes, yeah. exactly, and yeah. then being able to concentrate on a particular thing. And you can take it or leave it, but certain experiences that I've had, as well as experiences that other people who have had, you know, much more profound experiences than I have, they were able to conjure up, again, if you believe them, they were able to conjure up completely three-dimensional movies inside of their head, scenes like you were saying in DMT, they were able to conjure up without the use of any DMT at all. And I'm not just saying to say, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be in? It would be, but I'm not just saying that it would be cool to do this. I think that if there is some continuation of the process of growing as an individual soul, even if there is no individuality, even if this is a you know, non-dualist, whatever, I st still think that there is something to working on it, developing, concentrating, that you're not going to get when you just allow DMT or any other substance to, and I know you don't think it does it for you, but I think do it for you. Right, but that's that's like anything else, though. It's just like, I don't know, like everything in life that you don't necessarily work towards, or if you say you believe in, like, all right, you believe in karma, whatever, that's everything, though. Anything, like it doesn't have, to, it's not like limited to, oh, you took DMT, therefore that's why it was bad. The, the, the negative karma reaction would be, oh, you were just some idiot that just took it just because you thought that it was going to make you your life better. That that, that could be well, the thing. I'm not saying that that's not there, too. Right. I'm, but what I'm saying is when the intentions are right and the path is there and they're, and they're, they're in, is, it's a true, actual attempt at the truth, then there's. You cannot say it. like based off. I think I think it's better is. than it's better than the example you just brought up with the idiot guy. I'm saying it's better. I'm not saying it's the best choice that I think should be made there. I but think, anyway, I think the problem me. is that what the sort of um, to to Love's point, I think that there is a certain instrumentalization to a lot of behavior or rather substances that can claim to provoke a profound sort of liberation of the mind that can uh translate into physical corporeal political cultural liberation i think that you know if you read for example uh jean baudrillard uh his books america after the orgy he talks about like sort of the failure of like marcuse and timothy leary and so forth in the sense that these substances were very easily integrated within the sort of like let's call it you know the fish mark fisher um capitalist realist system it seems that you know the now that psychedelia has reached a mainstream mainstream cultural you know uh cash uh i think that now when you get corporations involved you get sort of like uh, new age retreats involved you get a sort of instrumentalizing of like silicon valley especially because a lot of silicon valley tech was built by people that were dropping out and uh you know yeah. and there's a lot of 
weird mystery cults with uh, Laurel Canyon and yeah. the the process people. The what was that? What was that extreme delinquent uh, camp where they were basically torturing the kids psychologically and physically? What was oh, that called? Yeah, yeah, I forgot what you're talking about, but yeah, Simadon. Yeah, something like that. Or is yeah, that- there was the other one. There was the other one. Elon School. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of weird a lot of weird Silicon Valley people came from this uh Simadon school and they then they later discovered uh psychedelic in fact Silicon Valley they're the first to adopt the sort of quote unquote psychedelic lifestyle, which is kind of very fascinating. There's a lot of uh, literature on that. But I think so again, there's a problem I think when you have a epistemological claim that is predicated upon a certain behavior or substance and not something that is inborn either through the mechanism of biology or culture or religion or so forth. I think that this is, of course, where Western metaphysics probably got it wrong as well. This is where Heidegger was right in that we sort of, we became too abstract to the point where it's like, you know, everything is just noumenal. You can't really know. Therefore, ergo, it led, led down the primrose path to oblivion. You know, Nietzsche, in Twilight of Ailes, I think, you know, Nietzsche is at least partially right. But then we have, I think, in the 60s onwards, we had sort of a reinvigoration of it with psychedelia, but now it presents its own unique problems to the being sure. the arbiter of truth. I think that sure, I the problem is a lot of modern psychedelic people, they don't, and we've actually, the show has demonstrated that with uh, <laughs> Daniel Pinchbeck versus Owen Cyclops is that the problem is there's an unwillingness to question the experience itself because I think, I think in particular, a lot of the people, they have a very adverse and, you know, being a part of these groups as well, back in the day, I was heavily into the psychedelic thing. They have this very, like, adverse, uh, adversarial reaction to Christianity in particular. I think questioning it, they think in their minds that by questioning it, it's like you're capitulating to this, you know, Christo-fascist enlightenment, post-enlightenment uh, Western tradition, which I don't know about that. I think... It's funny because, you know, a lot of uh, far-right groups in, in Asia as well, they've uh, taken a lot of psychedelics. But um, no, they're, I, I'm just rambling right now, Neil. I don't know. No, what I want to ask you, you Neil, yeah, well, before we go, because I have to go. Yeah, here, go, um, go, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you the origins of Gnosticism. So you're saying that what you call Christianized Gnosticism, that is the stuff that comes from, let's say, 19th century mystery schools where – they're sort of claiming that they're older than they are, but you're saying that that's sort of the, the roots of it is more Manichaeanism, what St. Augustine was arguing, but you're saying that there's this other tradition of Gnosticism that comes directly from Egypt. Now, my question is, yeah. do you think that the origins of it is probably from the ancient world, or do you think that perhaps maybe theosophy and, and so forth, these 19th century mystery schools, that they were sort of, they like to claim, it's like, yeah, we're the forebears of Egypt, Christian Rosen crews and all that stuff. Do you, or do you think that there is some lineage to the ancient world with well, your, yeah. The, 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 theosoph- the theosophical people actually did translate texts that were untranslatable until mm. they got the Rosetta Stone. So right, 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 right. there wasn't a reemergent of these ideas because they were, they were translating the Hermetica too, for example, which is all about the birth of Horus, Hermes, Tot, Asclepius, the healer god, who's like this weird son of Apollo. And so, like, they were bringing all these ideas and they're looking at him and saying, wow, a lot of this sounds like 
so, a little bit sort of like the Christian Gnosticism, and then they united the two together. That's how you get the, the- Theosophical Society. Right, right. It's very, right. it's very, uh, it's it seems like they're trying to emerge the regular religion of Egypt to Christian Egypt, Coptic religion. I think, yeah. but again, I think unfortunately there were some like very, you know, let's face it, they were like the grifter, common yeah. shysters of their day. Yeah, for back sure. at, like they like they ha- they tried to invent. Well, people were mentioning Blavatsky. I think. There's something to Blavatsky, but let's face it, she probably had her own ulterior... Um, yeah, I know. I'm more there. of a fan of uh, Rudolf Steiner. But again, there's no real way for me to know whether a lot of the things that he yeah, talks about make sense. Because I know that yeah. there, there, is, there is something romantic to the idea of, you know, there being like this spiritual dimension that we're all from and that we all solidify. There is no way for me, like if I'm not memeing, if I'm just being like a serious person for a second... There's no real way for me to know whether or not that is the case. The only thing that I can mm-hmm. try to do is keep an open mind. But again, I always lean on the side of caution when it comes to looking at the bigger picture of a lot you of. You know, it's funny, Michael. Things. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, love. Well, we got to do the super chat, but also. Yeah, Michael mentioned yeah. Alice Bailey. Did you know? You know who was very inspired by Alice Bailey was um, the people that uh, David Ike took from a lot. Like a lot of the, uh, yeah, the whole Ascendant Masters thing. But apparently a lot of the uh, Ikean, like, you know, reptiloid world conspiracy, a lot of the conspiracy movement actually came from these mystery cults, um, not just like with the Freemasons or whatever, but a lot of the thinking itself was influenced by certain organizations. Yeah. Uh, so even the conspiracy movement itself is founded upon, I would say, metaphysical claims that bleed into the political that come from a lot of these mm. uh, mystery schools. Yeah, but- Swinburg is weird. Is it like a weird... Interpretation of Christianity. Go ahead, Neil. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I actually, to, 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 to answer the second part of your question, I actually do think the original Western Gnosticism that we think of as Gnosticism, dualism, and I think what happened was Alexander the Great go, does his thing. He goes out in the East, conquers everything, and he, they bring back ideas like Zoroastrianism, like like mm-hmm. you got the passage mm-hmm. of the Greek Alexander Romance where he's meeting up with these Brahmins. They call them the Naked Philosophers. He's talking to them for right. like, he's with them right. for like a year, like nine months, I think it was. He's so he's bringing back those ideas. Then Ptolemy starts his empire. Ptolemy the one, Ptolemy the savior, number one. Ptolemy the second, Ptolemy uh, Philadelphus is thirty years later because Ptolemy one ruled for a long time, like forty years. Anyways, Ptolemy the second, Philadelphus. This is three hundred BC. He is obsessed with books and knowledge. He wants every single book to be translated into Greek and brought to the Alexandrian Library, which is a brand new, freshly built library, 20 mm-hmm. years old. Anyways, they get the books from, from, from uh, they get the Torah translated into Greek. That's the Septuagint. The, bor- the birth of Septuagint happens right then and there. But that's when Gnosticism actually becomes a thing, because now you have this idea of salvation through Gnosis, and you have these dualistic or monistic, in some sense, ideas coming from the East, which is where I think Gnosticism comes from. I think it comes from the second cent- late second century BC, early third century BC, Be- you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it seems that is like in the act of translation that Gnosticism comes about from a sort of ritualization of these different traditions colliding. I mean, that's very interesting. And right. Michael, Michael followed up with uh, Michael T. Flynn, the Q, Bo- Q Malga boomer. Says like the ascendant masters. That's where. Well, hey, it's true. There's there's surprising amount of like metaphysics even within Alex Jones. He has a very gnostic worldview, a very yeah. Christianized gnostic worldview actually. Right. But yeah. um, 
Uh, super chat, so we're going to be here all night. Yes. Yeah, yeah I got to get going, so. Yeah. Oh, and the one quick thing before the super chat. Speaking of uh, uh, drugs, there's going to be a stream coming up this Tuesday, and here is the picture of it. I'm going to load it up for you guys to see in the chat. Is Porn Destructive featuring Glink and Shannon Q? Jane, so wow. here it is. Uh, oh, oh you, please, is she a porn star? No, Ooh. she's not a porn Shannon oh. Q, you no, know Shannon. No, no. no she's oh. a... She's a YouTuber. Yeah. She's, but she's like a... What type of YouTuber? Atheist. Oh, God. Well, a atheist <laughs> also with kind of a satanic, kind of like a... Oh, uh, no! How, oh, how do you say well, it? She's, her, she's, she's extremely smart, though. She's not going to... Mm. She's not going to... Yeah. She's going to... Bring bring some game, dude. And, uh, for, and from what I understand about uh, her views on pornography, she does not think that uh, pornography rots the brain in any way. That there's she's, no. That's her area of expertise is the brain. Mm -hmm. but, as, she knows but as far as as far as addiction in general, this isn't going to be a debate. This is going to be a conversation between yeah. the two of them. But as far as what exactly she thinks, Satanism is uh, the final form of. Well, what what exactly she she thinks the role of pornography is in uh, let's say the any any kind of destruction any level of destruction if you will as far as what people do with their time how much would you say she would blame pornography who shannon yes i don't i'm not sure what she would say to that mm. well it would be an interesting conversation you know let's see funny? Yeah. i was i was listening to my friend yana we should bring her on the show uh she has a great podcast hate fiction but she mm. brings on all these e-girls, but they're very intelligent e-girls. We love mm. her e-girls, folks. But he, she, she had on a. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember we had Neko girl? Remember Neko? Oh yeah, Neko Satva. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. Not a, not a girl, but well, I don't want to miss pronoun. But they were talking about uh, pornography and, and the work of art and how pornography has changed from a sort of uh, its original source in eroticism to something that is deeply embedded within the sort of capitalist realist machine very good episode go go uh listen to hate fiction and go to my youtube channel tomorrow i'm going to launch episode seven of style talk with matthew the stout matthew was fucking ripping it up in the chat uh bring back ayala no i have an article i'm gonna drop on ayala when i finish it uh her recent uh, abominable tweets i'm not i can't even say it on youtube Nice. Can't nice. even say it. Too hot for um, you too. Is that, is that it for super chats or? Uh, oh no, we see. have a yeah, lot of. Okay, super chats. He, no, well, we don't have a lot. We have a good amount. Here we Look go. Look at God's dominatrix. I do not. I've never watched one furry anything in my life. I've never watched any food, Fuda, whatever. I just learned about it because of uh, my friend who was an impossible princess. So I forget where it came up, but please, God's dominatrix. Do not slander me this way. You guys I'm not into that crap. Okay, here we go. Final super chats. All right. So I Me medium All raw. Right. Bard can only conceptualize the powerful, uh, popular mystery cult in a frictionless future culture. It discounts the hormonal friction of all biological action. That was from Medium Raw, $5. And before that, we yeah, had Tux Loves You, uh, who says, uh, $5, who says Luke Smith is based. And another Tux Loves You for $5, Luke Smith is also a cunning linguist. And finally, <laughs> oh, uh, $2 from... He's a Linux guy, so yeah. he probably has some... Never mind, never mind. Yeah, well, he's going to be up with a master debater. Uh, and Tux loves you, final uh, uh, live stream thing. Uh, $2, uh, let my people sneed. And there we go. Uh, by the way, Tux, can you, can you talk Flamenco out of his sinful ways by being 
obsessed with furry pegging or whatever he's into. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. Oh, let, I can't let, let Flamenco do, do what he wants. I don't care. I don't care about the drama side of YouTube. Anyway, this, this uh, is enough. This by is the way, enough this for the Friday, drama side of YouTube. It's going to be Daddy Jim going to destroy the Mexican child leader of the white race on Cozy oh, TV. Oh, Lordy. Yeah, All right. it's going to be amazing. Going to be All right, guys. All right, take go care. Go to Neil's channel, Gnostic Informant. Yes, go to Gnostic Informant. Oh, actually, no, it's terrible. It's sinful. It's heretical. <laughs> do not go there. But if you must. If you know, if you have to know thy enemy, go, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> go, go to Gnostics channel. Go to my channel, Giant Parents. Tomorrow, I have episode seven of um, Style Talks. Me and Matthew, we talk about Elon Musk. Talk about the beautiful boy archetype. We talk about um, something else. I forget. We talk about a bunch of stuff. It's going to be a free flowing episode. Talk about. Uh, oh yeah, we talk about. Um, All right, excellent. Gnostic yeah, has to go. Uh, All right, take care, everybody. Bye. God bless.